Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Logic Political Talk, part of the Growing Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And yes, we need to stand shoulder to shoulder uh, with some of our patriots. And uh, definitely we'll be talking more about that with our panelist, Kelly, who will give us uh, some real life uh, reasoning behind the song for tonight uh, when it comes to uh, putting everything on the line. And Kelly would tell us more about that tonight when he comes in in regards to his watch the vote efforts. Uh, but we'll also get to that. But tonight uh, we are going to do commentary and analysis of Obama's last United Nations speech as the president of the United States. Uh, I know a lot of you folks out there do not want to hear uh, Obama's voice, so you'll be hearing me, the host, uh, pretty much reading through the speech and giving commentary. And uh, we'll hopefully get some uh, commentary by folks uh, 
uh, tonight, so whether that is through the chat or through Facebook or also through uh, calling in at 347-945-7428, including our good friend Deb, who uh, on Facebook uh, says, you don't want me to be calling in. And I asked her, well, why is that? And she put, I'm an extremely outspoken and angry, proud, deplorable patriot with little to less filter on my speak daily. No compromise, no negotiation with the enemy ever again. And so I'm typing her now to call on in. (laughs) So we'll see uh, if Deb will uh, join us. Now, one of the things I put, and we will get to the speech uh, with our commentary. Now, one of the things I did put out on Facebook uh, was one of the quotes uh, from the speech uh, from Donald Trump. And what I put it on is uh, the Facebook page called Republican, Libertarian, Democrat, Political Debate and Arena. So I want to see what type of uh, remarks I'll get from it. And this is a quote that I used. Uh, as Obama stated during this last speech as president to the United Nations, but there appears to be a growing contest between authoritarianism and liberalism right now. And I want everyone to understand I am not neutral in this contest. I believe in a liberal political order. And what I put down there, I was just going to ask a question on the, uh, the page. And, again, that is the Republican, Libertarian, uh, Democrat uh, debate page. And what I asked, you know, just simply was who do they feel, at least of the two candidates, represents authoritarianism in America's election today, uh, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? And perhaps we will be getting Deb on uh, or – should I say Maxine? Uh, so perhaps we'll get uh, Maxine on the line at uh, giving us a call at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. And so hopefully she was able to read that as I put that on the chat. So we will begin uh, with the speech. And if uh, anyone would like to uh, chime in, oh yeah, but first let me get to these comments. I had one person, a Brett Swift to put uh, – there wasn't a lot of comments. I was hoping to get more, uh, but, you know, I did it really late last night. Uh, probably uh, – I don't even know. It was probably about midnight last night, so not a lot, not a lot of folks uh, up doing Facebook, I'd imagine, at that time in the evening. But we got here that I've got from Brett Swift said both. Melissa Baker – and they don't give any details, some of these says Trump. Uh, Daniel Clayman says, the guy that forced everyone to buy insurance at gunpoint. Uh, Obama was not one of the choices, uh, but that is who Daniel Clayman uh, is referring to. And so uh, we – let's see here. I'm replying to Deb. Uh, and so we, of course, you know, said he, he mentioned Obama, even though it was between Trump and uh, Hillary. Uh, but the next one. Uh, is from Kathy Wilford Finklia, and Clinton hands down. Uh, she wants whatever crap Obama has done to us to continue, and if you don't like it, then she will find a way to force more crap on you, just like O did. 
And here's the one uh, I wish uh, we would have had more comment to uh, that I would have liked. And I see uh, somebody called in uh, twice. Uh, so I'll only let you in once. I'm just kidding there. So when you're ready to chime in, just push the one on the number dial once we get started. We'll get my commentary, your commentary, but uh, I'll finish here. Uh, and so I see you on there, Maxine, and we will get you into the show. Uh, this one was Chris Day. He says, meh, both, neither, who knows. Uh, what I do know is Hillary is a corporate stooge, status quo candidate, and a hawk. A Clinton presidency, while potentially detrimental, doesn't represent a major danger to the republic. Trump is dangerously unqualified and, unqualified and unstable. He, in my humble opinion, poses an actual risk to national security, and his candidacy is an embarrassment. Well, I really wish uh, Chris uh, would come onto the show and give us more explanation on that, maybe cite some examples, because I can't agree with him, disagree with him more. And uh, Dennis Bishop uh, replied to him, I hope you don't get stationed in Benghazi. And then, of course, we have someone, uh, I think, more of a level mind, uh, Daniel Halton, says both. But in reality, there is a war between authoritarianism and libertarianism. The definition of liberal has changed drastically in the United States in the last 30 years. Clinton, Obama, and most Democrats aren't true liberals anymore. And then you have Larry Macklin Jr. says, what's the difference to these clowns? And that's unfortunately all I got on that post. But as I said, I posted it at midnight last night. So uh, who knows? Uh, probably that's why we didn't get more on there. Perhaps I will put it on again. So I will take some time to take a brief sip of some coffee. Nectar of the gods, I must say. And we'll get on to, uh, to West and West, and we'll get on to our uh, analysis of the speech. I don't know how many, a lot of folks have uh, even seen the speech or maybe even heard of it. I don't think it was very widely televised. Uh, so maybe it's a good thing we have it here. I thought to have an audio clip of Obama going on, but I think some people after eight years are tired of hearing his voice. And so you get to hear mine. Uh, but if you want to imagine Obama's voice while I'm reading this, uh, feel free uh, to go go on ahead and do that. But or you can just enjoy my voice uh, as a host. I'm trying to say next on tongue and cheek. But here we here we is, and I will stop as I said momentarily uh, between some paragraphs here and there uh, to give you know my commentary. And again, uh, for you on the line, if you'd like to uh, chime in on some of the points as well. Uh, just push, and I see uh, some in already. Uh, just push the one on your number dial, and we will get you into uh, the show to do that. Uh, so first we've got here, uh, it starts out with President Obama. It says, Mr. President, Mr. Secretary General, fellow delegates, ladies and gentlemen, as I address this hall as president for the final time, can you hear clapping? <laughs> Yay, right? Uh, let me recount the progress that we've made these last eight years. From the depths of the greatest financial crisis of our time, we coordinated our response to further avoid catastrophe and return the global economy to growth. We've taken away terrorist safe havens. We may want to contest that. Strengthened the non-proliferation regime 
They don't think that's true, especially after his next comment here. Resolve the Iranian nuclear issue through diplomacy by giving them billions of dollars and still not stopping them from later on getting nuclear weapons. We opened relations with Cuba, which is true. I mean, I'm not going to say everything. I don't think it's a bad thing. I really don't. I think it was in a long time coming, uh, but what do you guys say? Uh, we opened relations with Cuba and helped Colombia and Latin America's longest warm. Okay. And we welcome a dem- democratically elected leader in Myanmar to this assembly. Our assistance is helping people feed themselves, care for the sick, power communities across Africa. Isn't he the president of the United States? I know he's addressing the United Nations. But he's talking about what we have done. Now, is he talking about what the United Nations done or what the United States has done? We'll continue further. And promote models of development rather than dependence. Well, that's interesting. He's trying to make people, Hillary Clinton to follow, more people dependent on their party so they can maintain power. And we have made international institutions like the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund more representative. I wonder what he means by that. While establishing a framework to protect our planet from the ravages of climate change. And I must put a little disclaimer in there. I am an environmentalist. However, I don't really subscribe to the whole global climate change, especially the warming part when they don't want to take in consideration the sun. And uh, from my understanding, Mars is uh, undergoing uh, much of the same warming as we're seeing here on Earth. But be that as it may, I do think that we should do uh, things to protect the planet, uh, but I think the way that they're doing it is wrong. But we continue. This is important work. It has made a real difference in the lives of our people. I guess he's talking about the world people. And it could not have happened had we not worked together. And yet around the globe, we are seeing the same forces of global integration that have made us interdependent also expose deep fault lines in the existing international order. We see it in the headlines every day. Around the world, refugees flow across borders and flights from brutal conflicts, without mentioning him flying through what I hear, on UPS and uh, the mail carrier planes into our country, distributing these refugees across our country. So perhaps he's alluding to that without actually saying it. So those refugees who we know Donald Trump is trying to make sure we vet more before getting them into America. And he continues, financial disruptions continue to weigh upon our workers and entire communities across vast swaths of the Middle East. Basic security, basic order has broken down. Well, yeah, you pulled out of Iraq and, well, we see what happens, especially giving them a timeline to do so. Uh, We see too many governments muzzling journalists. Hello, what are you talking about muzzling people? Uh, Let's remember the IRS scandal. And squashing dissent. Hmm, how about all those Hillary Clinton people that just seem to die? Now, that has nothing to do with Obama, but she is wanting to continue his policies, and he is now going to be spending two days a week every week promoting her campaign until the election. Now, is that really doing the work of the people? I think not. Terrorist networks use, and I don't care who, which party does that. The president should just stay the hell out of it. 
uh, terrorist networks that use social media to prey upon the minds of our youth, which I think he's going to try to use that in order to, if not for himself, but for Hillary Clinton. If she gets elected, I think he's going to try to use that to control the Internet. So watch out for that, folks. Don't let them use uh, them, the terrorists using uh, social media, and we know they are, and be able to have them use that as an excuse to take over our Internet uh, the way the government wants to. Let's be, let's be careful and let's be mindful of that. And Susan, we will get you on the line. I see you in there. We're going to get you chimed in. Uh, let me read one more paragraph. We'll get you in. And it says, let me go back. Uh, Terrorist networks use social media to prey upon the minds of our youth, endangering open societies and spurring anger against innocent immigrants and Muslims. Endangering open societies and spurring anger against innocent immigrants and Muslims. Yes, I purposely said that twice. He didn't in his speech. I think he's referring to what's going on here uh, in the United States. And if it's that anyone who has helped spurring anger against immigrants uh, and Muslims is the terrorists, but somehow he wants to blame other folks other than them for that. He doesn't say that here, but we've heard that in other speeches. Powerful nations contest the constraints placed on them by international law. He is talking directly of the United States of America. He's talking about us, folks. We're the powerful nation who is contesting the constraints placed on us by international law. What do you think on that? And while you uh, stew on that, we've got plenty, plenty more of the speech and also plenty, plenty more of time. And so let's go ahead, time, bring in Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm alive. <laughs> I've been sick this week, about four days. Yeah, I'm, you know what? Well, I've been coming down something myself, but I, I can't let it. I can't let it happen to me this weekend. Okay, I I have not been sick with a cold type thing for probably seven years, and I don't know what happened. But mm. um, my son is married, and. We were up there for three days, and there was a lot to do and, and working, and so I think it just wore me down. But anyway, uh, yeah, the TPP, yeah, I called on it and signed petitions, and I just put one in the thing that said, demand Congress seal the Mexican border with a wall. <laughs> I said, I am on their blacklist or shit list of any other list, so maybe we'll sign this, but I did. So I've been signing all kinds of petitions, and... Uh, well, you know, when the black bombers or helicopters or whatever come for me, I'll send them your way, too. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and we're not going to talk too much about this, if at all. And what about, uh, you know, your your Seahawks and what they've been doing with their, their protesting? <laughs> oh, that, yeah. You know, that was a protest of unity. They didn't kneel. They stood. And I was very proud of them for doing it that way. It really was. There was a lot okay, of but we won't talk about more it. about that. But they were t- they were still protesting. I mean, these are these are probably some of the uh, you know most. What what word do I want to use <laughs> for the for these football players? I mean, if anyone is, is you know living the American dream, it's now. Okay. Right. Well, you know, I just I'm really torn because you know I support Colin Kaepernick right to do that. I don't have to agree with him. I do not have to appreciate him. I don't have to buy his merchandise or watch him. 
But I do say that we did fight for the rights of people to have. It's the same way to Jane Fonda. I wrote a thing on it, and I sent it to you. And it wasn't how she believed, because I didn't believe in that war either, and that war was wrong, or that police action in Vietnam. But it was her going over there and saying what she did and fraternizing the enemy that was wrong. Had she said those things and stayed on American soil, I wouldn't have said nothing. But she went over there and caused all kinds of grief for him. So, you know, I didn't do that to him. I may not have agreed with the war, but I would never have done that to those young men. So there is a difference and, and, in how you handle it. And, 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 yeah, maybe later on we'll we'll get to that because I certainly don't want to get off uh, topic tonight. There's so much material uh, to go over. Uh, now I know, as I said, I know a lot of folks think it's the opportunity to. I mean, I know most people probably don't think of it as an opportunity <laughs> uh, to hear his speech. Uh, but of course, you know, being uh, in the position I am, I have to do these things uh, so that we can uh, do the analysis for people uh, because you know, as I said, it, it didn't make a lot of news. You didn't hear a lot about it. Uh, probably because, you know, it was a speech to Obama to the U.N., and they don't want a lot of people to see it. Uh, so it probably didn't yeah. make a lot of hay. Uh, but, you know, that's one of the things I like to do here is uh, give you know people the opportunity to hear things that otherwise they did not. Um, so I'm presuming that, that you probably one... didn't get, hear it either, did you? No. I could care less about that man and what he says. Well, and I agree, and I think a lot of people – uh, well, and I think a lot of people feel the same. And, you know, I think people are like, eh, you know, I don't want to hear anything about from Barry. But this is, I mean, he's setting, I mean, I read the speech. And he's, I mean, he is setting up for the, I mean, and he's going to do it anyway, but uh, he, he's definitely setting up for all these uh, other world leaders, you know, to embrace Hillary Clinton. I mean, he's even made a couple jabs, and we'll get to those, you know, alluding to Donald Trump. He never said his name. But there's two comments specifically, and I'll point those out when we get to them. You know what he, uh, you know what he alluded to, and you know, and, and that. So he's definitely trying to set things up uh, for a Hillary Clinton agenda uh, in this speech, and that's why one of the reasons why I think it's important for us to listen and hear what he said, comment and analyze what he's talking about, uh, so that you know people can be informed and and, and know this is what's going. Now, so we all know. Uh, that he's going to try, but, you know, let's get specific. And remember, it's not just us conservatives who are, are watching these things. It's also a lot of independents, which I think that's who we really need to be focusing on, the independents and undecideds, you know, when we start giving them information about, hey, this is what they're talking about about our country. This is what they're talking about about America. This is what they think about America, where they think our place should be in America. And, you know, listening yeah, to this – speech really lets lets us know what he thinks, especially since he's talking to other world leaders, where he thinks America should be. Well, if the independents and those that are, uh, is it rhinos or those, both Bushes said they're voting for Hillary. They've come out and stated that. um, They said they're voting for Hillary or they're not voting for Trump? Yeah, they're voting for Hillary. They have stated it. They, They said they're voting for Hillary. Oh, yeah, George Bush Sr. actually did come out and say that. I didn't hear Junior, but um, it was on a thing. And, uh, of course, Clinton is and Carter is, all them. And it was it's well, yeah, the, um, well, that's um, very... but, Go ahead. I was going to say, Phyllis Shackley, you know, she died, 92 years old. 
And Donald Trump is the one who gave her eulogy last Saturday and observed that she had shaped American politics for one quarter of its existence. And uh, she actually endorsed him, and hopefully she was right in what but he did, you know. And, and she wrote this choice on Echo, which shows the political system is rigged by the kingmakers. I believe it was rigged in favor of the Bushes just as well as it was the Democrats. And um, I, I think it's marvelous that he did give such a during eulogy. She was, she was right most of the time. Uh, she spoke out on every controversial American political matter. And that's based on work she did 5, 10, 20, even 60 years ago. And I, I think if the Republicans would listen to her, not even to vote for Trump, just to just listen to her and what she had and the warnings she had, um, they, they would be so much more knowledgeable. But they're, they're not. They're not knowledgeable because they don't read what the Bushes have to say. They don't read what Phyllis had to say. They don't read anything. They just, oh, we're Republicans. Well, big deal. Whoop-de-doo. You know how I feel, though. So... Well, yeah, to my understand, I mean, I, I like to have, you know, authoritarian sources. And I, I, a lady said that he told her, uh, Kathleen Harrington uh, said that, you know, she was talking to Bush. I mean, I, I'm not surprised if this is true. Um, it didn't come straight from Bush, but someone was reporting uh, that, you know, in the conversation with him, uh, and she posted on Facebook that he's voting for Hillary. Um, so, but, you know, and let's say it's true. I'll, I'll take the report and say it's true. Does that really surprise any of us? I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised no. by it. I mean, I mean, the politicians are going to vote for the politicians. That's what, that's what we've been talking about on this show. You know, it's the politicians are going to be voting for, for themselves. And, and it shows even more. Hey, I hope all the damn president, ex-presidents vote for them. Say, look, of course they are. I mean, they're going to vote for the political class, the political elites. That's who they're going to back. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll hear, hear, hear more reports. Um, and let's see here. Yeah, I'm, we'll, we'll definitely hear more reports on that, for sure. And so uh, I'm just replying to that. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, someone uh, speaking to someone. They're saying I have no filters. I'm saying just no f bombs. You know, uh, we we say and oh, we don't even do f bombs in the Bard's Logic After Dark uh, because this is a family show. We can say what we want about people, <laughs> but we just don't use any curse words, right, Susan? Uh, so well, we just don't drop it. Yeah, we just don't drop any f bombs on here. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't so, say that okay. word. No, not you. But I was talking. I was chatting with somebody else, and uh, they're like, "Oh, I have no culture." Well, as long as uh, that. And I want to welcome Carolyn again, and to the chat as well. Uh, and you know, yes. And she talked about the president's voting for Hillary Clinton, the ones that want a one-world government. And, Carolyn, I'd love to be able to hear your voice sometimes. So hopefully we'll be able to get you to call in one time at 
945-7428. Yeah, and I mean, that's a report by CNN. And I, I mean, during the primaries, I had more trust in CNN as I do now because they're becoming the Clinton News Network. Uh, but, you I mean, I, I did look at a Fox report, which, you know, you know, I've read many times on Fox, too. But at this point, where do you, where can you go? You know what I mean? So uh, and then they, they had uh, some types of Politico that, you know, was pretty much saying the same thing. So at this point, I'll say, yeah, that's true. Uh, but it doesn't surprise me. Uh, and so what also would surprise me is uh, we'll go on to uh, the next commentary. Uh, on these, what I'll do is I'll just read a couple paragraphs and, and make some commentary, and, and just let me know. Just say, hey Rob, if you want or whatever, uh, if you want to uh, comment, and you know, again, if you want to comment, then you're on the line. Once you do see some folks, just push the one on your number dial, and I'll make sure that I get you in. And so, continuing on, we got plenty of time, uh, but actually, I am seeing where we're at here, and so in the time, I can't believe we've gone through a, a half an hour already. We still got plenty to do. It's like last week we could have gone a fourth hour, uh, but unfortunately we didn't have the time to do that. But first, before we continue, we need to hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.PatriotJournalist.com. And we'll uh, continue on. I do got some more uh, messages uh, on Facebook that I'll get back to that uh, later. So hopefully they'll still be there when I'm able to reply. Uh, But going on, it says, this is the paradox that defines our world today. A quarter century after the end of the Cold War, the world is by many measures less violent and more prosperous than ever before. And yet our societies are filled with uncertainty and unease and strife. By enormous progress, as people lose trust in institutions, governing becomes more difficult and tensions between nations become more quick to surface. And I think he means by governing is I wonder if he's starting to really means control is becoming more difficult. And so I believe at this moment we all face a choice. We can choose to press forward with a better model of cooperation and integration. We use that word integration a lot, folks. And I'm telling you, there's a key word that you're going to hear from him. You're probably going to hear from Hillary Clinton. And there's a key word that should put up a red flag. And that integration, okay, is globalism, one one world government, one world order. That's what that integration is about, I'm telling you. Or we can retreat into a world sharply divided. And, of course, he's referring to national. And my take on that is he's referring to nationalism. And I believe he, he says uh, big comment on nationalism later on in his speech. Uh, or we can retreat to a world sharply divided and ultimately in conflict along age-old lines of nation and tribe and race and religion. He wants to get rid of nations, folks. And what the one they want to get rid of the most is the United States of America. I wanted to suggest to you today that we must go forward and not backward. 
I believe that as imperfect as they are, the principles of open markets and – now, some of these things, it's like this is coming from Obama, uh, but he does have that precursor of I believe that as imperfect as they are, the principles of open markets and accountable governance of democracy and human rights and international law that, have, that we have forged remain the firmest foundation for human progress in this century. I make this argument not not based on theory or ideology, but on facts, facts that all too often we forget in the immediacy of current events. And I think he's probably talked about the different terror attacks. Uh, here's the most important fact. The integration of our global economy has made life better for billions of men, women, and children over the last 25 years. So it wasn't all Obama. No. Anyway, over the last 25 years, the number of people living in extreme poverty has been cut from nearly 40% of humanity to under 10%. And I really wish between the speech, which was only a couple of days ago to now, I would have had the opportunity to do some fact-checking on this. So if you are out, someone out there and you love doing that type of stuff, uh, do uh, some fact-finding uh, for us and send me a message via the Bard's Logic Political Talk contact page at com. Go to the contact page and send me some of that fact-checking. It would be great. We can have it on our next show. Um, and said, that's unprecedented, and it's not an abstraction. It means children have enough to eat. Mothers don't die in childbirth. Meanwhile, Cracking them. Now, some of this stuff is, is, is pretty cool, but, you know, whether you can take credit for it. But anyway, it says, meanwhile, cracking the genetic code promises to cure diseases that have plagued us for centuries. Well, let's, let's hope that's true. We, we really need to get some, rid of some of those, uh, definitely. Uh, the Internet can deliver the entirety of, a hu- of human knowledge to a young girl in a remote village on a single handheld device. In medicine and in manufacturing, in education and communica- education and communications, we're experiencing a transformation from how human beings live on a scale that recalls the revolutions in agriculture and industry. As a result, result, <laughs> result, a person born today is more likely to be healthy, to live longer, and to have access to opportunity than any other time in history. So all you folks out there who are protesting uh, the United States at these football games, remember what he said, have had access to opportunity than any other time in history. Remember that. Moreover, the collapse of colonialism, not counting Russia going back to the, getting the Crimea again, but anyway, moreover, the collapse of colonialism and communism, which you know he spoke between Russia and China may be making a comeback, has allowed more people uh, than ever, and I can't believe he's saying this, but he's got to put on a shell, uh, more people than ever before to live with their freedom to choose their leaders despite the real and troubling areas where freedom appears to appears in retreat. The fact remains that the number of democracies, and this is another thing I like to get fact-checked, around the world has nearly doubled in 25 years. Now, one of the things I don't understand about that, and if that's true, that's great. But also, you can't have it both ways. These are the same folks who say nation building and creating democracies across the world, you know, doesn't necessarily lead us to a peaceful. They've even at some point 
you know, alluded that, or maybe even outright said, that this kind of spraying democracy is actually bad and why so many people hate us because we're trying to force our way of government. And I think even backpedals and says that here later, uh, you know, trying to import our democracy and our system of government on them. And it says, in remote corners of the world, citizens are demanding respect for the dignity of all people, no matter of their gender or race or religion or disability, unless you're Christian, uh, or disability or sexual orientation. And those who deny others dignity are subject to public reproach, except if you're Christian, which is a disclaimer. We all know here, now we all, but people who come to the show uh, – frequently know that I'm not among them, um, not among the Christians, but that's how it seems to be here in a lot of a lot of instances of people can chime in on that if they'd like. An explosion of social media has given ordinary people more ways to express themselves and has raised people's expectations for those of us in power. You think? Indeed, our international order has been so successful that we take it as a given that great powers no longer fight world wars, that the end of the Cold War lifted the shadow of nuclear Armageddon, that the battlefields of Europe have been replaced by peaceful union, that China and India remain on the path of remarkable growth. Now I'm going to stop there and see if you've got any comments that uh, uh, there and I do see a message from Deb and Deb uh, I see that you wrote a message here on Facebook uh, just push the one on your phone dial or message me here on Facebook if you're ready to uh, chime in and we will uh, we'll get you into the show because I do see you there just uh, push that one I'll get you in and so Maxine I keep calling you Deb Maxine I'm sorry uh, Maxine uh, well that's what happens when you have multiple callers but yes, Maxine will get you in. Just push that one on your on your phone or message me. Say, get me in. Uh, so, Susan, let's go ahead and bring it over to you. And I've got to get your thoughts on what you've heard here. And I'm going to answer some of these other uh, Facebook messages <laughs> that I've got. Go ahead, Susan. Uh, you mentioned the children being healthier. Um, I posted something in my group, and it's just. I've got to find it here. I had it. Uh, it's just really disgusting to me. Um, and it gave the numbers, and I am trying to find it as fast as I can, scrolling down. Um, I didn't have it saved because I didn't think uh, that you would bring up the children being born healthier and all that. Um, here it is. Social collapse in America cities. Millions of teens are starving, trading sex for food. Oh, I, I can't believe anybody would use they're being born healthier, but then they starve later and someone offers them a crust of bread for some nookie. You know, how disgusting is that? It just sickens me. I, I can't believe it. It's bad. Well, it also... Nothing is. I just all I had to say. I just, what's the point of them being born healthy if they're healthier? If they're going to eventually just be starving and be used for that? Well, indeed, indeed. And I've got uh, I told Maxine 
is ready to uh, chime in with her voice, which we're hoping to see. I'm going to read what she posts here in, on uh, Facebook. It says, there are currently 123 democracies in the world of all 192 countries. The most basic measure of democracy is electoral effic- uh, uh, efficacy. If a nation has free and fair elections, hmm, sometimes I wonder, uh, Maxine, if that is us here, especially with uh, the electronic voting, uh, where uh, we are trying to, and, and when Kelly calls in, be talking more about that, with the uh, watch the vote, uh, when he calls in, uh, then we'll hear more about uh, that this evening and what he's dealing with with that. Uh, but anyway, it says, coupled by competing parties with varied representative interests, it can be classified as a democracy. However, we are a republic, and Maxine puts that in all caps, in a republic. And that's a good thing to point out because a lot of yes. uh do not, that we are indeed a republic, not a democracy, right. a representative republic. Yes. I would love her to call my representative, that idiot Mike Simpson, and tell him that. It's in Idaho, so you can call, you know, Congress and uh, let him, ask for him and let him know this. I've worn out my welcome, I'm sure. <laughs> I, could have, I wish I had a whole crowd of them calling him. Every time I turn around, I get a letter from him. The democracy is so great, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what is wrong with you, you dummy? He's my idiot. Mm. He's an idiot, but he's mine. God help me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, you know, I've got a couple of friends who they're very intelligent, but they're idiots uh, when it comes to voting because <laughs> they're actually talking about voting for Hillary Clinton. Uh, well, I, I, don't, I hope they don't hear that. I should have said that. Cause they're like, Robert, I can't believe you said that on air. I didn't say your name. <laughs> um, I just think that your decision no, to vote for Hillary Clinton is idiotic. Uh, so, hmm. But anyway, um, and so look, we've got more from Maxine here, and I'd rather hear her voice than mine, but I'll go continue. I'm, I'm trying to give you all these hints, Maxine, to push that one on your number dial, but we appreciate your input uh, anyway, even here it's on Facebook. And she puts, oh, she's got some more. Look, at, don't stick your tongue out at me. <laughs> Emojis. Uh, but anyway, it says, See, we have fun here, even when it's not Bard's Logic after dark, which is when we have even more fun. Uh, but anyway, it says the key difference between a democracy and a republic lies in the limits placed on government by the law, which has implications for minority rights. Those forms of government tend to use a representational system. And I'm going to make some comment here in a little bit. But example, citizens vote to elect politicians. I'm scrolling. That's why I'm pausing. To represent their interests and form the government. In a republic, a constitution or charter of rights protects certain inalienable rights that cannot be taken away by the government, even if it has been elected by a majority of voters. In a pure democracy, the majority is not restrained in this way and can impose its will on the minority. And so if we want to talk about representational, uh, best represent. Representational, I uh, surmise, or I contend, I should say, that the and people should look this up. And, and one day I will get some people from Ireland to call in and talk about their the voting 
uh, system, their election system, and the way they do it. I mean, they have multiple parties, which I think this country desperately needs. Uh, and I mean, yeah. real multiple parties, not just two. And then you got your uh, minor parties right now. I think we need that type of representation. And they do uh, preferential voting, where you put in order who you like. Like, okay, I like Donald Trump first for president. I like Jill Stein second for president. Uh, and then I like Gary Johnson third for president. And then they have a very complex mathematical system to uh, to calculate who would be the winner. So each one of those votes counts towards who gets elected. Uh, so – it's you know very representational, I and mean, and I think with the multi parties, I think uh, they say in business, they say in business you got you know you can't have monopolies that that creates some con- some corruption. Same with in politics, in my opinion, you got more competition, you got less chance of corruption, uh, and so I, I think that's something uh, to talk about representation on there. And so what we got here is um, I'll continue on with our speech. And then we will continue on from there. I'm going to continue on from there. And says, let's see, where is that? Okay. I say this not to wash, whitewash the challenges we face or to suggest complacency. Rather, I believe that we need to acknowledge these achievements. And I'll agree. So I'm not saying, oh, my God, this this it's been a disaster. There's been a lot of bad stuff in the Obama administration. But there's a lot of good things that's that you know, okay, I can't say a lot of good things. <laughs> you know. But there has been technology that has that has advanced, but I really don't think the government has much to do with it. Okay. Uh and we'll talk more about advancement and, and where I I think this country needs to go uh with technology in the future. But we have had some advancement on how much government. But anyway, and so uh so there have been some achievements. But anyway, I believe that we need to acknowledge these achievements in order to summon the confidence to carry this progress forward and to make sure we do not abandon those very things that have delivered this project progress. In order to move forward, though, we do have to acknowledge the existing path to global integration. Remember earlier, folks, I said that we're going to hear that term a lot. And what he's referring to, and what I think he's referring to, and this should be a red flag, is globalization, one-world government, uh, one-world order, whichever way you want to put it. I think he's referring to that. Okay, let me find my place again. Global integration requires a course correction. As too often, those trumpeting the benefits of globalization have ignored inequality within and among nations have ignored the enduring appeal of ethnic and sectarian identities, and have left international institutions ill-equipped, underfunded, under-resourced, in order to handle transnational challenges. Okay, sounds much like transnational corporations. As these real problems have been neglected, alternative visions of the world have pressed forward both in the wealthiest countries and the poorest. Religious fundamentalism, the politics of ethnicity or tribe or sect, aggressive nationalism. Remember when I said earlier that he was going to be referring to Donald Trump? I think in that statement where he's talking about aggressive nationalism, I think he's talking about in, in, in a large part not, uh, Donald Trump. And because there's a lot of 
folks saying that, oh, he's a nationalist. What's wrong with being a nationalist if you want to be the president of a country, right? I mean, shouldn't you be a nationalist if you're going to be the leader of your own country, your nation? A crude populism, crude populism, you know, for all of the folks out there who are irredeemable, as our friend, I think, Maxine is. And she is also, and I guess, you know, I'm going to be one of those other folks who are, what, how did Obama put it? Or not Obama, how did Hillary Clinton put it? As deplorable. So I guess we're deplorable. Yeah, thank you, Maxine. Deplorable uh, folks out there. So that's probably what he was uh, referring to as well in us. So as I said, he's setting up the stage for people to be against Trump and, and, and be more for Hillary okay, with this crude populism. Some, and listen to this. Here we go. continues. Sometimes from the far left, who knows? I guess he was making a little bit about Bernie Sanders. I don't know. But more often from the far right, which seeks to restore conservatism, guys, restore, conserve, restore what they believed was a better, simpler age, free of outside contamination. He's talking about immigration. He's talking about immigration there, saying that we're, you know, we think that we're being contaminated. And let's be honest, folks, we kind of are because these folks, these refugees and these illegal immigrants, and I even dare say, and I will dare say it because I'll be like our friend Maxine and take off a filter and say, and say uh, even some legal immigrants, okay, who come in. And don't Americanize themselves. We're not the I mean we're not the melting pot anymore. We're not the uh we're a salad bowl. We're not a mixing pot, we're a salad bowl. You know, that they come to the country and they don't Americanize themselves. You know, that's what's going on. And that and, and you know, that's where he's saying we see that as a contamination. And maybe it is. They are contaminating the American way. Oh my god, he said the American way. Yeah. I said it. I said the American way. They are contaminating our American way, our the way uh, the way of America. They're coming in with their, you know, you know, Mexican flags, and you know they don't want to assimilate. They don't want to speak English. I mean, even second generation. You hear the kids not even really speaking English. You know, some are learning. I'm, I'm not going to take that away. You know, but they want to have their, you know. They're just not Americanizing themselves. And then the people who aren't Americanizing themselves, and I think, and this is just a, a contention, maybe even a far contention, is that those people who aren't really Americanizing themselves are the ones who are coming out to start – like this guy uh, who's uh, of Afghan descent who just did all these uh, bombings and stuff. And I want to talk about torture maybe later and what they need to do to this guy um, to get some information. But I, I doubt these guys are Americanized, and that makes them, I think, more open towards being radicalized by these jihadists, especially of those people. But that anyway, says, we cannot dismiss these visions. They are powerful. They reflect dissatisfaction among too many of our citizens. I do not believe those visions can deliver security or prosperity over the long term. But I do believe that these visions fail to recognize at a very basic level or think about what he's saying about us. Think about what he's saying with a very large, if not vast, if not majority of the American public. This is your president and the one who's 
supporting Hillary Clinton. This is what he thinks of you. Okay. And, and, and her too. That's why I'm saying, I don't want to be teaching to preach it to the choir. Most of the people listening to the show tonight or listening to the show in the archives, we're conservatives. Many of you are Republicans. Okay. I'm an independent. Lean towards, you know, Republican, okay. lean towards green. Yeah. You can, we got libertarians here. Uh, but, you know, but what we're saying is that, and I almost lost my train of thought there, because people keep asking, oh, okay, we'll get we'll get that into uh, uh, vaccine, and then we're still waiting to hear your voice on the line. Same with you, Carolyn. I'm just, <laughs> but anyway, and so you know they're they're, they're not Americanizing. I think it's they're being easier to be radicalized by not Americanizing themselves. Uh, you know, with, with with these you know these these immigrants coming in, and this is what and so this is what Obama. And this is why I say this needs to get out to the independents, the undecideds, because independents and undecideds who are listening to the show, he's talking about you too. He's talking about you too. For those of you who you know are you know national patriot populists, grassroots, this is what he thinks about you. This is why the, this this uh, show tonight needs to be shared with your independent and your undecided friends, not just conservatives. We're, conservatives are going to vote for Donald Trump. For the most part, okay? Even some libertarians are going to, because Hillary, oh, my gosh, could you imagine? But this, I mean, the people are undecided. Maybe some Democrats are like, I don't know. You know, that, share this show with them. Let them hear what their president and the person he's going to be supporting thinks of you. And I'm going to repeat this because I think it, that this part is so important. We cannot dismiss these visions. They are powerful. They reflect dissatisfaction. We are dissatisfied by the way our government's doing. But anyway, and I used to not do. I used to be one of those kids who thought, even as a Republican when I was a kid, thinking all the government can do good for the people. And maybe at one time they could. I don't know. But they reflect dissatisfaction with too many of our citizens. I do not believe these visions can deliver security or prosperity over the long term. But I do believe that these visions fail to recognize, at the very basic level. He's calling us stupid, folks. We can't even understand the very basic level of our common humanity. We can't understand that. We're, if we're going to vote for Donald Trump, he thinks we're too stupid to know otherwise. And I see you push the number one and the number dialed up, so we're going to get you in after I get those paragraphs. And I'm going to answer some uh, posts on Facebook as well as we do that. So anyway. I'm going to finish that. Moreover, okay, but he does break off. So more, this part's not bad, but that part sticks. And then he probably hurries up and gets over this. So he's getting over the top. Moreover, I believe that the acceleration of travel and technology and telecommunication, just think about it. This is, a, this is together in a paragraph, okay? But they, they, don't, they don't even, they're not even related to each other. And then it goes on after that. Maybe he's got uh, developing Hillary Clinton syndrome. Uh, but anyway, maybe it says, moreover, I believe that acceleration of travel and technology and telecommunications, together with global economy that depends on a global supply chain, is that TPP? No. Uh, supply chain makes itself, itself defeating ultimately for those who seek to reverse this progress. 
to, uh, well, now it comes back to it. Today, a nation ringed by walls would only imprison itself. Once again, referring to Donald Trump, getting these world leaders to get behind Hillary Clinton. But let me tell you something. The more world leaders that come on board and say they want to be for Hillary Clinton, the more I'm motivated, and I think your, your independent and undecided friends should too, to be more vote, motivated and vote for Trump because who gives a flying blank, blank, blank what these, these leaders of these other countries think? Oh, my God, we got to get along with them. Oh, we got to be getting along with these other nations. We're the, we are the United States of America. We're the world's hegemony. If we're going to maintain that, you know, we, we got to be above. Oh, my gosh, this other country thinks that. Because they got to work with us. We still are powerful. It's waning, but we still are powerful. They still have to work with us. But that's what they're trying to do there. And so let's go ahead and bring in, and then we're going to bring it back to you, Susan. I do see other callers just uh, push the one on your number dial when you're ready to get in. And so let's go ahead and bring in Maxine. Thank you very much, Maxine, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Well, good evening. How are you? Good. You See, you sound pretty level-headed, and there might be a filter somewhere in there. It could be wrong. Well, you know, don't, you don't said count on you, it. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a very level voice. You didn't come in screaming, so that's that, that. maybe that threw me off a little bit. Go ahead, Maxine. Certainly not. Certainly not. Um, I believe we all must keep a level head at this point in time because um, we obviously have no leadership that um, is giving us any type of a positive effect. So we're continually dealing on a negative. Um, therefore, we must turn that around and create the positive with what we do have to work with. Susan, would you like to uh, make a comment on that? I told you, Susan, I was getting you in. <laughs> ah, well, well I thought she was talking still for a little bit. Uh, well, that was just a general uh, statement regarding the way we must deal with what's happening within our nation today and across the world. We must be the level-headed ones because, obviously, our leadership is not. Well, well I would sure. say the... they weren't level-headed. Uh, I would say that their heads are into power, money, glory, control. Um, most of them, the world leaders, not all, but most, are part of the new world order. So I'm not sure about level-headed. I think they think they're level-headed. I think they think they're absolutely, that we're just nobody and nothing. I agree. And Carolyn is is is, is red faced uh, that I see in the chat. Uh, she's uh, looked a little angry, probably about what uh, Donald, not Donald Trump, but uh, Obama, and of course we know Hillary Clinton thinks about us. Huh? <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's the thing we're trying to make is if if, if this Hillary Clinton is level headed. I would say bubble headed at this point. Uh, <laughs> I know that might be me, well, but. Uh, I mean, she can't remember what she's done, and, you know, I mean, really, could you imagine if Donald Trump said, oh, don't remember? Could you imagine how he would get slammed for that? 
he's continually slammed. It doesn't matter what kind. Well, yeah, he I mean, he'd be eviscerated if he. Well, oh, that's true too. Progressive, exactly. It, it wouldn't matter if you know he said the sky is blue and the grass is green. Um, it would be wrong. So therefore, we that's that's why I'm saying we must um, f- uh, filter and take from all of the uh, the negative, and, and and turn it to positive. We have what 48 days to make a decision of, wow, of our lifetime in this in our country. Um, if if unfortunately um, the left uh, comes upon us uh, for another four years um, through a vote that is not fraudulent, which is something we must be extremely aware of. Um, And I I do hope that people are going to be out there as poll watchers. Um, It's imperative and make certain of actually what is happening in the last election. I'm not, I'll make this brief, but I'm familiar with Philadelphia. Um, Folks were bust in and just dropped off at voting precincts. And in and out they'd go with no voter registration. Um, perhaps that's a good idea to bus people. All of us, every American that wants to vote, should have a ride to the polls. Yeah, and you made uh, you know, I mean, I could read this, what you put in uh, the messenger on Facebook, or, or I, I could read it out, or you could tell us. It's a, it's an interesting history that you got there about the the Great Wall. Uh, would you like me to read that, or do you want to convey that mm-hmm. here on, on the, while, you have, while you're on the line? And just um, let you know, way, uh, Deb, I know what you've not seen. I don't like you going that. Huh? Either way is fine. I, I, it's a comparison from the 1300s to the 1600s of the Great Wall of China and the reasons for as to why it was built. And part of it was immigration and obviously controlling who was coming forth and who was being kept from access to China and also to trade. So that is pretty much, now we're talking from the 1300s, 800 yeah, years I mean, later. Yeah, that wall's, so the, <laughs> yeah, that wall's the concept built, is like history repeating itself. Uh, we're talking about a thousand-mile right. wall. Um, you know, that's it. They feel that we only need approximately a thousand, a thousand miles, and more border patrol agents. Well, we have a reason for that. There's an obvious reason for that, due to the murders, drugs, sex trade, human trafficking. Do we really want that in America to continue? That's what I said very, about yeah, kids. Very, very well said, actually. Very, very well set. said. Yeah, I mean, it's and that's well, that's all it's trying to, uh, you know, that's all it's trying to avoid. And you know, nations have borders. I mean, that's what uh, Ronald Reagan said: a nation without borders isn't a nation. If anyone has ever attempted to even even cross the border into Canada or Mexico, you'll find it far more yeah. difficult. <laughs> I used to live on the Canadian border, and um, um, we could cross by boat on the river, but not at this time. I mean, that, that's all stopped now. There's no just going through customs anymore. You must now three countries on this continent. 
we need the division because we all have Canada is so extremely liberal, progressive. The immigrants that are coming in to Canada will shortly be taking over their system. But Trudeau, Mm -hmm. Mr. Trudeau, is so liberal, he's going to be screaming like Merkel shortly. (laughs) Truly. Yeah, they'll turn into France. uh, Don't be careful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, then we have the southern border, which is, you know, all coming out of the – of pardon me, the southern continent and uh and even Colombia. And we look at the the disruption in Colombia, specifically in the areas of Ogata and the um the crime, the rape, the the um the drugs. It, it, it's horrific. And that is what's coming across our southern borders. So we have the right to do so. So let's take that right and do so. Yeah, I mean, certainly not. And I think it's, you know, it's detrimental for us as a nation if if we do not. But of course, they you know they want to get rid of uh, they want to get rid of nations. They really do. And as I said, the, the nation they want to get rid of the most is the United States. Oh, we don't care what they want, do we? Do we really care what no, they no, want? No, no, I certainly don't. No, no, certainly do I don't that, either. Do you think enough people are awake now, or do you think there's still too many people asleep? I believe that Donald Trump has awakened a very, an extreme sleeping giant. Um, I, I don't. People are still afraid to speak up, speak out. Someone might be, come up. Steal their sign like they have out of my yard. No, go ahead. Who cares? I mean, yeah. folks. Do we care about our future? Do we care about our grandchildren and our children and the future of America as the only republic? We're a young country. We're we're the baby of the world. We're still the experiment. Is it working? I don't know. Do we have patriots that are going to stand up and once again shed blood on our own soil fighting? Perhaps so. That is frightening. It's not frightening. It is what it is. My patriots did it. My patriots that fought in the Revolutionary War did it. It's our turn. It yeah, is well, our hopefully turn. we can. That uh, was not a free uh, gift. No, understood. But let's, uh, you know, <clears throat> for our, our our kid, you know, for our kids' sake, well, you know, we're, we're hoping that they don't have to deal with. Uh, what those folks did back in, you know, back in the Civil War. And, I mean, I, I understand your point, but hopefully we've uh, Revolutionary you know, advanced War. far enough where we won't have to use that. But, yeah, well, well, that too, but, um, you know, but also, you know, I'm, I'm talking about here, you know, our, you know, people killing our own people, and that's what it would be today. You know, that, that's right why I've made the reference to the yeah. Civil War. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, another country that built a wall, Egypt. Started in 2014. They built an. They are in the. They are attempting to destroy the tunnels through the Gaza Strip and keep Hamas from terrorist attacks. Egypt is building a wall. Most people do not know this. No. Started well, in glad, 2014. I'm glad you told us. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm aware can, uh, of it because of military ties and so on and so forth. 
people that have been deployed to Egypt. Um, we're well, and of course we're helping to pay for that. But of course we'll build a wall in Egypt. <laughs> yeah, we'll help pay for a wall in Egypt, but we won't build one on our own border. But hey, Mexico's mm-hmm. going to pay for that one. <laughs> Mexico's going to pay for that one. Well, I, but, well, uh, Maxine, I don't know. Uh, this may be your first time on the show. Uh, so what we do things are uh, maybe a little different than your experience on, you know, calling in other uh, talk shows if, if you've, you know, done that. Uh, but we have what's called our roundtable discussion here, uh, whereas uh, once you call in the show, you can stay, you know, on the line as long as you like. Uh, and we do bring it back around to other callers, but we will uh, continue with our conversation and we'll continue with, um, you know, continue with reading uh, the speech. And we may be making more commentary. We've got John on the line. We're going to get John in. But we will be bringing it back to you. Uh, but just to know, uh, because I do that, we do, uh, I do leave everyone's mics open or phones or whichever way you're called in. Uh, so if there's going to be any background noise or anything of that nature, just mute your phone or your mic until uh, you come back to the show. Uh, but you are welcome to stay and definitely be a part of our, our roundtable discussion as we continue on with tonight's show. So we definitely want to keep you on the line. I, I thank oh, you so great. much yeah, for we, we love, we like, love having you guys on. It's an absolute awesome. yeah, pleasure. Yeah, pl- I'll just awesome. mute my phone awesome. we love it. on we go. Okay, and we will get you back in just like we'll get Susan. But first, let's go ahead, uh, before I continue on uh, with the uh, speech and bring in John. Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Robert. I'm glad to hear Maxine coming in strong. Sounds good. Um, I wanted to comment in the sense that it seems like throughout history, all whatever you want to call them, peoples, groups, empires, nations, kingdoms, whatever, they get to a point where they realize that the the people in power, they just want to maintain their power so much. They take advantage of the good-hearted natureness of the rest of the masses and the fact that the rest of the masses aren't really wanting to be um, aggressive or defend themselves or whatnot, they'll go through a lot of suffering before, you know, they'll even try to rise up and and claim their rightful place in self-governing. Because every individual wants to be free, you know, with liberty and, and independence and justice. And so our... Our particular country, it seems like the Congress, the Senate, our presidents and whatnot, their heart, their heart is so. I don't. I hate to use the word corrupt, but I don't know what other way to explain it. Otherwise, they would want to treat you and I just like they would want to be treated, with due respect, due consideration, and dignity, and then therefore. They would want to govern from the standpoint of listening to us and have us have our say in self-determined governance, but they don't. They, it's just like voting. They lie through their teeth in campaign mode. That's why I can't stand Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, and either, both of them are snake old salesmen in my opinion. But unfortunately, I'm a never Hillary, and I'm not a never Trump. But anyway, just like Obama, during the campaign 
oh, he's for the little guy and making sure everybody gets their voice counted and and that we're going to take care of poverty and this and that. And bam, he flip-flops. Now he's in office. Hey, I'm going to do what I want. I'm a constitutional professor, and I know how to rip the system off because I know the system and how it works. And it's just corrupt in their heart and mind. And they don't care about other people. And so they're taking advantage of our good-hearted nature. And history, if we look throughout history, it's pretty much proven assuredly certain that, you know, most natural human and humane government is that of consent. When all citizens, every individual legal United States citizen holds their life, liberty, freedom, and independence in true Voluntary, self-willed, you know, self-directed, self-determined obedience, adherence to laws, rules, ordinances, processes, procedures, and the like that are of their own, like, you know, making or consent that they agree to because nobody likes to be forced. And these people are perverting justice. And when I say these people, I'm saying the uh, government officials and I've, I have a very hard time finding very few of them that actually they talk about the Constitution, and then they talk about doing stuff that sounds unconstitutional to me. And depending on who you're talking to, every person has a different idea of what the Constitution means. Well, in united we stand, but divided we fall. Well, if we can't get united on what the true definition of the Constitution means, that means we're all going in opposite directions. On the, we can't row the boat together. So until the hearts change where the people in power aren't maliciously and nefariously using our good-hearted disposition against us, or we wake up and force them to treat us with mutual sin, you know, we're not we're – not, pushing them out or excluding them. They are excluding us. We're saying we're all in this together. They're telling all of us, oh, we're all in this together, but they're not acting upon it. Their action is, hey, I'm the decider. I'm decider-in-chief, and we, the oligarchy of, um, you know, elite establishment, we know better than everybody else, and we're going to give you the choices, just like Paul Ryan. We're going to give you a choice, you know. Well, hey, you're going to have to start listen, listening to our choice. And it, it's just sad that these people are going to take advantage of us and our ignorance. And I'm saying my ignorance, too, because I still got a lot to learn. And they're, they're going to they continue throughout history to lie in campaign mode and then do what they want when they get into office because most of us feel, oh, they're in their positions of authority we respect the position, not the people. If the people abuse their authority and their position of power, they don't deserve the dignity and respect and consideration of the office. And that's why right now you see all the dust up going on in North Carolina and different places, and we've seen it going on. It boils down to the same fact. You've got King George in office disrespecting the common folk people, sending out the foot soldiers to enforce their will on the people. And the people are sick and tired of being oppressed, and so they fight back. But the people that sit in the ivory towers, they don't get their hands dirty like George Washington. He was in the battle with his feet right in theater. 
But now our current group of supposed government officials, they sit in their protective covered towers with armed guards and fences and walls all around them, and then they send out the Gestapo foot soldiers to enforce their will on the rest of us without our consent. As if you're a legislative slave and you have no right to decide the rules and laws that govern or you know burden you and encumber you, as if they can do it but you can't do it to them. It's hip- hypocrisy. So I yield the floor at this point. Okay, and let's see. I'll reply to that in a little bit of doing my little background stuff. But let's go ahead and uh, get back to the speech, and uh, we'll do our roundtable to get other folks on. And I'm still waiting to hear from Kelly. Uh, he, he got some uh, disturbing uh, something to him. I, I don't want to get to uh, much details. I want him to be able to do that. But uh, whether he'll come on and share with us or not, I don't know. Uh, but hopefully we'll be able to come on. Uh, and if he doesn't, I'll just make, say a few words on it uh, at the end of the show if he's not able to call in. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to here. It says, uh, so, okay, and someone's got some binging going on in the background, so if you could uh, mute your mic until we bring you back on, I'd appreciate it. Uh, I guess they're just getting some messages. And uh, I will be sharing. Thank you very much. I will be sharing the, uh, some information. And as I said, Someone's got some binging going on. I, I don't have to mute mics, but I will if it, if it continues. Uh, as I said, someone might be getting some replies from messages they're doing. Uh, so, nope, don't sound like it's gone. So, let's have some. So, anyway, so it's, uh, uh, we've got here. Um, so, let's see. So, so, the answer cannot be a simple rejection of a simple Here's that term again. So the answer cannot be a simple rejection of global integration. Instead, we must work together to make sure the benefits of such integration are broadly shared and that the disruptions, economic, political, and cultural, that are caused by integration are squarely addressed. This is not the place for a detailed policy blueprint, but let me offer in a broad stroke those areas where I believe we must do better together. It starts with making the global economy work better for all people and not just for those at the top. While open markets, capitalism have raised standards of living around the globe, globalization combined with rapid progress and technology has also weakened the position of workers and their ability to secure a decent wage. In advanced economies like my own, unions have been undermined and many manufacturing jobs have disappeared. Well, folks, that's because we were forced to bring them over to other countries because of uh, our, our tax laws. But anyway, I digress. Often, those who benefit most from globalization have used their political power to further undermine the position of workers. Hmm, I wonder who that could have been. In developing countries, labor organizations have often been suppressed, and the growth of the middle class has been held back by corruption and underinvestment. That means government not throwing enough money at them. Uh, mercantilism policies per, uh, pursued by governments with export-driven models threaten to undermine the consensus that underpins global trade. And meanwhile, global capital is too often unaccountable. Nearly $8 trillion stashed away in tax havens 
a shadow banking system that grows beyond the reach of effective oversight, a world in which 1% of humanity controls as much wealth as the other 99% will never be stable. I understand that gaps between rich and poor are not new, but just as a child in a slump today can see the skyscraper nearby, technology now allows any person with a smartphone to see how the most privileged among us and the contrast between their own lives and others. And I, I got to give them that, folks, and that is absolutely true, um, especially if people get an Obama fence. No, but seriously, uh, that is true. I mean, I, like, I can't say anything more at this point about that, but uh, well, we'll give them that. That, that part is correct. Uh, expectations rise, then faster than governments can, yeah, because they see these things. I have to give them this. Expectations rise, then faster than governments can deliver. Think about that. Expectations rise, then faster than governments can deliver. It's not the people delivering it for themselves. It's faster than government can deliver. And a pervasive sense of injustice undermines the people's faith in the system. So how do we fix this imbalance? We cannot unwind integration any more than we can stop technology back into a box, nor can we look to failed models of the past. If we start like the five-year plan deals that a lot of your uh, eastern countries uh, had with their economies. But anyway, I don't want to digress. If we start resorting to trade wars, I guess there he's referring to uh, Trump again, you know, when he's talked about uh, the trade deficits, Okay, and he's also uh, talked about tariffs, things of that nature. He's referring to that. Market distorting subsidies. Well, that's interesting uh, because he's been uh, accused of doing that. A beggar thy nation policies. You mean like borrowing all this money from, from China? And over-reliance on natural resources instead of innovation. I will give him that as an environmentalist. I do think we are doing that. Uh, these approaches will make us poorer collectively, and they are more likely to lead to conflict. And the stark contrast between, say, the success of the Republic of Korea and the wasteland of North Korea shows that central planned control of the economy is a dead end. Well, at least he realized that, and that was the five-year plan I was referring to. Uh, but whether it, what he, he believes it, he knows. But I do believe there's another path, and here's his path. One that fuels growth and innovation, doesn't sound bad, right? And offers the clearest route to individual opportunity and national success. Still, doesn't sound bad. It does not require succumbing to a soulless capitalism that benefits only the few, but rather recognizes the economies are more successful when we close the gap between rich and poor and growth is broadly based. And that means respecting the rights of workers so they can organize into independent unions and earn a living wage. Let me tell you something. I hope he's not referring to that $15 an hour that they want to pay people for flipping hamburgers. Uh, That's a whole new topic. We could probably spend an entire show on that. Um, It means investing in our people, their skills, their education, their capacity to take an idea and turn it to turn it into a business. I said some of these things are surprising to hear out of Obama's mouth, but it means strengthening and the safety net. Here we go. The safety net that protects our peoples from hardship and allows them to make take more risks. 
Okay. You see how he's bouncing around there? Folks, anyone else want to make comment on that? Uh, to look for a new job or start a new venture. And so I went through a couple paragraphs here, and there's – oh, wow, this was a long speech. We may not get through all of it tonight. Oh, my gosh, look at all that. Well, it's still going. Okay, I might lose my voice before this uh, this night's out. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, let me while I'm scrolling up, uh, we'll bring it over to you, Susan, and then to Deb and then John. Uh, did you want to make any uh, comments on on that while I get me back to the same the uh, old place? Uh, no, I'll turn it over to John. He hasn't been on much. I like hearing him. Well, first, okay. Well, we we we're gonna give uh, Maxine, and then we'll get to John. Go ahead, Maxine. Still have her on the line. Yes, we do. I know she muted her mic. So while we're waiting for Maxine, let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, John. Yeah, sometimes we have to take a personal break, even even though we leave the line on. You can't hear me, right? I don't have my phone muted. I can hear you. (laughs) I can hear you. Yeah, it got so quiet, and I started thinking, well, maybe I muted myself and didn't realize it, and I'm sitting here talking to myself, and nobody's hearing me. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, the the whole part of, man, I'm so emotional, in my own opinion, about all the different, there's so much stuff coming at us from so many different avenues, and like when you're reading what you're reading, to me, there's semantic mind game manipulation in the verbiage. They're using words that you and I will understand in one way, but in the back of their mind, they know that they're meaning it for a manipulation trick in order to bait you into believing that they have your best interest at heart, but they really don't. They just want to manipulate. Now, I'm cynical because I've seen you know several presidents and I don't. I've never felt that I've got to vote for one. I've always voted against somebody, and every one of them has always been done something um, snake old trickery, dickery dock, bait and switch, and, and using, you know, either saying they're constitutional or saying that they're going by the rule of law when they're actually using the rule of man, deceitfully masquerading as the rule of law because most of us won't question it. Uh, we are really kind-hearted, and we like to care for people, and we think that they have our best interests at heart. But in in the sense of trying to solve it, it's like, well, I just have to keep praying that they're going to wake up and realize that if they keep treating us with contempt, then they can't expect to receive anything but contempt back because we have a right to defend our personal possessions and our property. Your property Self-governance is an inalienable right given to you by God. Now, your parents might help raise you until you're 18, but after you get 18, you're going to self-govern yourself. For the most part, hopefully your parents raised you upright because you're going to be accountable in the rest of the world to a certain degree your level uh, you know, is going to hold you accountable too because if you start talking smack to certain people, they're going to pop you upside the head. Or you'll work it out, mutually agree with each other, and you'll work in harmony and move forward. So we're going to be held accountable in one form or a fashion. 
But the sad part of it is, is when you get into office and the human heart takes over in your mind, if you're kind of a corrupt person and you know you've got bodyguards and, and military and law enforcement at your disposal, well, you're more apt to act like a little jerk tyrant and try to get away with as much as you can because most of us want the candy and we want all the benefits of life, so we're going to take advantage of those opportunities to accumulate it until somebody slaps our hand or tries to, you know, slow us down. And many times when they slap our hand or try to slow us down, we're like a thief trying to get in the window. We don't like them trying to stop us, so we're going to shoot them or beat them up or something. Well, not every human is like that. But too many of the people, it seems like, that get into our office, they get surrounded with bodyguards, and they don't realize that the average common folk out there are not surrounded by bodyguards, and they don't have a, a judicial law enforcement legal department that they can rely on in order to make sure that their will gets reciprocally and mutually enacted, codified and ratified it into all law so that they're represented as an equal citizen in a constitutional representative republic, them not having those resources, they can't fight the system as easily as the people who are inside working in the system, and they get surrounded by all those resources, and they lose track of what it means to be a common man. And whenever we, the people... Movement and you know, take that oath of office. You know, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence is not an oath between the government and the people, it's between each and every one of us legal United States citizens. Because any one of us could be put into office if we run for office at some point in time. So it's like, hey, these are const- these are covenant documents between each other that we're going to respect each other as equals. You know, the Declaration of Independence, you know. And so it's like at some point in time, each one of us might be held accountable to those things. But if we get into office and we're surrounded by all of these resources that we have access to, and most of the people that work inside, you know, whether it be down, they're they're caught up in this authoritarian mentality. It says, hey, the person under me is subjected to my authority, and the person under them is subjected to their authority. And they love that power. So they don't ever really think of the fact that God, when he sent Jesus Christ, and I think I've mentioned this before, I don't like to really push religion. I think people need to make up their own mind. But each and every human being is an individual king, and we jointly own intellectual property called self-governance. We jointly own self-governance together. Each one of us are a master and a king of ourselves, and therefore... Whenever we have unity, it's United you know, States of America. When we have unity, it's when we all decide what the mechanisms of self-governing are. Because governance is only about how we relate to each other, how we treat each other, how we interact with each other. All this other stuff about you know, how we spend the money to put people on the moon or we give subsidies to Solyndra or ABC Battery or whoever – that's not governance. That's stealing from one group, taking their tax dollars, and bestowing it on the favor and privilege of a small group. Well, that's against our Constitution. If you look in Article 1, um, I think it's Section 9 and 10, there's not supposed to be a, nobil- a title of nobility from the federal government or the state government. And 
citizens get elected into government, and then they have a special privilege to force laws on you, but you can't force your laws on them or your will on them. They get to force your will on they get to force their will on you, but you don't get to in turn do the same to them, force their will on you. I mean, your will onto them, then that's in, inequitable. It's you're not equal. They're becoming the legislative slave master and you become the involuntary servitude legislative slave. So I'm I'm kind of like stuck on words and knowing how to communicate because there's so many different people that see so many things from different perspectives, and I don't know how to communicate to all of them at the same time. And I feel like I lack the communication skills to fully vet it, but I know my heart and mind is in the right place because I don't want to dominate anybody. I want you guys to decide for yourself what burdens you and encumbers you and then we decide together how we're going to interact with each other and relate with each other and not have somebody dictating that without the consent of the people who are going to be obligated to it. Do I make sense or am I talking in circles? No, we'll you be make here, John, and sense. we do have uh, – <clears throat> let's go ahead, uh, Maxine. We do have uh, Maxine you make back. complete sense. You're, you're a sweet soul. Truly a sweet soul, and it is a pleasure to be on this call with you this evening. We got a lot. We, we've got a lot of ground to cover, but we've already been through half the show, and I, we have, I don't even think we've been through half the uh, the speech yet. But that's okay. It happens. I wish sometimes we can uh, put a fourth hour in, but we still have plenty of time, uh, so we'll move forward. Uh, and what we've got here, and of course, again, all mics are open, and we'll bring in the roundtable discussion. I've been trying to get a hold of Kelly. He was going to come in uh, with something, and I haven't heard from him yet. Hopefully, we'll be hearing from him soon. Um, you know, so hopefully, but as soon as we do, we'll be getting him on uh, on the show, even if I have to interrupt stuff, which I normally don't like to do, but uh, I want to be able to get it in. But I even, I even text him. I haven't heard anything back from him, so hopefully we'll hear from him soon. But then he says, <clears throat> excuse me, says, these are the policies that I pursued here in the United States and with clear results. American businesses have now created, uh, have created now 15 million new jobs. After the reception, the top 1% of Americans were capturing more than 90% of income growth. But today, that's down to about half. Last year, poverty in the country fell at the fastest rate in nearly 50 years. And with and this is another thing I like to have fact-checked. And with further investment in infrastructure and early childhood education and basic research, I'm confident that such progress will continue. So just as I've pursued these measures here at home, so has the United States worked with many nations to curb the excesses of capitalism, not to punish wealth, but to prevent repeated crises that can destroy it. That's why we worked with other nations to create higher and clearer standards for banking and taxation, because a so, uh, because a society that had, <clears throat> excuse me, that this is funny, uh, that's coming from Obama, because a society that asks less of oligarchs than ordinary citizens uh, will rot from within. So maybe he actually admitted that he's an oligarch, <clears throat> and that our government system is becoming more of an oligarchy. Uh, I wonder if that was uh, a slip. 
but yeah, because society that has less of oligarchs than ordinary citizens uh, will rot from within. That's why we've pushed for transparency <laughs> and cooperation in rooting out corruption. Are you kidding me? Hello, Clinton Foundation. Uh, uh, corruption and tracking illicit dollars, again, Clinton Foundation, and he's supporting Hillary Clinton. The dollars because markets create more jobs when they're fueled by hard work and not the capacity to extort a bribe. Again, Hillary Clinton. Uh, anyway, uh, that's why we have worked to reach trade agreements that raise labor standards and raise environmental standards, as we've done with the, and here's your favorite, Susan, as we've done with the Trans-Pacific Partnership so that the benefits are yeah. more broadly shared. And just as we've been, and I'm sure you want to say more about that, and just as we benefit by combating inequality with our countries, I believe advanced economies still need to do more to close the gap between rich and poor nations around the globe. This is difficult politically. It's difficult to spend on foreign assistance, but I do not believe this is charity. For the small fraction of what we spent at war in Iraq, we could support institutions so fragile uh, uh, – I'm sorry. We could support institutions so that fragile states don't collapse in the first place and invest in emerging economies that become markets for our goods. It's not just the right thing to do, but it's the smart thing to do. So basically give them money to buy our goods with our money. Is that what he's saying? Give them money to buy our goods with our money. How about you just give that money that you give them to buy our goods, to buy money? Because you give it to the people so that we can buy goods from their country, from things that they're exporting. How about that? How about spurring on our economy by giving us more of our money back? Hmm, is that a novel yeah. idea, folks? Yeah. And so, and that's why we need to follow through on our efforts to combat climate change. As I said, as an environmentalist, I still ain't uh, too sold on the whole climate change. If we don't act boldly, uh, the bill – now, we do need to address – I mean, I, I do think that we are soiling uh, our planet. I really do I, – I do really think we are polluting our planet. We do need to do something about that. Um, whether there's climate change, we, we, you know, we belong – we're 30% of the planet. You know, can we really – Affect all of it, but I think local, locally, I think we're affecting our local, ecolo you know, ecologies. Whether we're affecting the, the global ecology, mm, my verdict's still out on that. But I know we definitely are uh, doing it uh, on a, you know, on a local, uh, on a local level. And so, if we don't act boldly, the bill that could come due will be mass migrations. And, of course, he'll invite them all to the United States. And cities submerged <laughs> and nations displaced and food supplies decimated and conflicts born of despair. The Paris Agreement gives us a framework to act, but only if we scale up our ambition. And there must be a sense of urgency about bringing the agreement into force, helping poor countries leapfrog destruction of energy. So for the wealthiest so for the wealthiest countries, a green climate fund should be the beginning. I'd like to know more about this green climate fund. 
Uh, it sounds like it might be a national tax, but we'll see. Uh, we need to invest, and I think, you know, businesses invest, in research and provide market incentives to develop new technologies, not necessarily a bad idea, and then make these technologies accessible and affordable for poorer countries. Let's take care of our, our country here first. I understand you're talking to the United Nations, but and only then we can continue lifting all people up from poverty without condemning our children to a planet beyond their capacity to repair. And so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Deb. Oh, why do I keep doing that? To you, Maxine. And then uh, we'll bring it to you, Susan, and then John. I believe I may be hearing a response from Kelly. Uh, so I'll, I'm going to check into that. But you definitely put, uh, again, some interesting things. Uh, here on uh, Facebook, if you want to talk a little bit about that, uh, as well as your comments on that, uh, the speech. And I also did paste the paste, uh, put on the Bard's Logic page on uh, Facebook. So if you'd like to uh, check that out, we do have a, a page on Facebook as well. If you haven't liked the page already, I'd appreciate if you did so. Uh, the link to the Egypt Gaza barrier uh, that's on Wikipedia. Uh, so, uh, Check that out, folks, whether you're listening live or if you're listening to the podcast. So let me go ahead and bring it over. If you could talk a little bit about what you posted on Facebook and then your reaction to what uh, I've read so far. Uh, Maxine, go ahead. And I'm going to, uh, again, once behind the scenes, see if we could get our, our friend Kelly and if he's going to be able to make it. Go ahead, uh, Maxine. Um, I just have one comment about the United Nations. We need to get out of it. Um, they can take the other 191 countries and enjoy their life as the United States removes itself from the United Nations um, and from New York City as headquarters, and they can locate that elsewhere as well. That's all I have to say about the United Nations. And I could care less what Obama has to say. At, I have the speech. I've read the speech um, uh, prior to your reading it, and, and I watched him uh, perform. I could care less. Performance. I don't believe it. It's a performance. And I could actually care less. There's not one word that I would believe that he spews from his mouth. Um, he's looking for a legacy of which he can probably find with the activities that are happening this evening in North Carolina. That will be Obama's legacy. So as far as his U.S. speech, I really have nothing to say other than the United States, in my opinion, must remove itself. Period. And um, you, you were speaking of the green, um, the green climate fund. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, wh- while you were doing that, I googled it, and Obama plans to send three billion. We're going to contribute three billion. That was in 2014 to the green climate fund to help develop. Hmm. developing nations deal with their climate change. So, yeah, and that, and that's my thing. I mean, deal with it, you know, deal with it uh, here at home, just, you know, and then, you know, once we got it, you know, under control, I mean, I don't, hey, give me some money. I'll put some solar panels on my roof. I'll put geothermal energy in my house. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, you know, for that. I mean, I'll support that. I mean, instead of giving $3 billion to another country, how about, giving it to us so that, you know, we can get off the grid. And, there, and there's a gentleman on, is, uh, 
Now, local politician I'm going to try to get on. He actually lives off the grid, so I'd like to hear more about that. And we do have uh, Kelly. Kelly will be joining us later, probably after the top of the hour, once we get into what uh, our extended period, or what we sometimes lovingly call Bard's Logic after dark. Uh, so we'll get into that. And, you know, and what the, the speech, I mean, frankly, I mean, I, I know in a lot of ways I could care less what, what Obama said uh, to the United Nations uh, as well. But I do think there's, uh, you know, some important things in there to, you know, analyze, make some comments too, because, you know, what he's doing is, as I said earlier, is this isn't really as much for us uh, because we know what Obama, and more importantly now, we we know about Hillary Clinton, and that's who, he, of course, he's supporting. And he'll be spending two days a week, it sounds like, instead of doing the people's expense. business, he'll be doing Hillary Clinton's business. Uh, by supporting her. Uh, but this is something where, you know, and the podcast is free. Uh, you know, it's going to be available here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you're also, if you are an iTunes user, uh, you can go to a link on iTunes or you can look up uh, Bard's Logic Political Talk on iTunes and you can get a free download there. Uh, so you can listen to, you know, parts or all the show, uh, you know, at your convenience. Uh, you can even uh, download it, put it on a CD and listen to it in the car that way. Uh, so there's definitely ways, but, you know, or, or even, sh- you know, share the link or tell people about the podcast on iTunes, a free podcast. Uh, but this is, th- these conversations isn't for us. Uh, these conversations are for our independent friends. These are conversations are for our friends who are undecided, which say, you really need to listen to this. Really need to hear, okay, this is what he's saying. You may not even be someone who pays attention to politics. Uh, and that's what this, that's what, in my opinion, this is for. Uh, so well, listen, you know, I'm not I know degrading we, what you're. I'm not degrading what you're doing. That's that's just. No, personal. no, I didn't think that you were. <laughs> oh no, but not I just want all. to you know make comment that your that your that your comments on our uh, that that your comments on that even if we don't care, but uh, what your comments are and, and others, of course, uh, on you know his speech, I think is important for other folks to hear. That's why I want to have. Uh, yours and, and Kelly's later, if we get some, you know, fizz. And then, of course, John and Susan, and I'll, of course, you see I'm throwing in my own. I think, you know, our commentary is going to be important on that because we are in the know. We do know what's up. We, you know, we've been following this. A lot of people have not. And by knowing what we're, you know, what we think, I think it's important. Now, of course, I'm not trying to toot any of our horns, but we are paying attention. And I think that people are paying attention, you know, the information that we're aware of, such as you brought up something tonight that I was unaware of. I wasn't aware that, you know, and, and I'll share that link on some pages there on fe- Facebook that uh, you gave me and then uh, other social medias uh, on the, uh, the, the wall in Egypt. I mean, so people can use that. Um, and that's something that I bet a lot of your independent and, and undecided friends and, and maybe even some of your Democrats don't know about. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, wait a minute. And so see if other countries are doing it, I'm, I'll probably send that to my my two friends who are, you know, talking about you know, voting for you know, Hillary, which I hope they don't, but I, I, I think they probably still will. Unless, uh, but the debates are next Monday. We'll discuss those probably next Wednesday. Um, but, you know, get the information out to them. And so, oh my gosh, it's already about um, 10 minutes uh, to the top of the hour. Uh, and so I will go ahead and uh, get back to our uh, speech. So, I mean, if, for the folks, you know, if you still want to make some commentary on it, I mean, I know, you know, we want to get it, you know, I said out to them on on, on what is, is going on. And so, 
I'll continue there. It says, uh, so we need new models for the global marketplace, models that are inclusive and sustainable. And I do agree with sustainability. Uh, and in the same way, we need two models of governance that are inclusive and accountable to ordinary people. Hmm, accountable to us. What do you mean by that? I recognize not every country in this hall is going to follow the same model of governance. I do not think that American can or should, or America can or should impose our system of government on other countries. But there appears to be a growing contest, I referred to this earlier, between authoritarianism and liberalism right now. And I want everyone to understand I am not a neutral in that contest. I believe in a liberal political order an order built not just through elections and representative government, but also through respect for human rights and civil society and independent judiciaries, are you kidding, uh, and the rule of law. Really, this guy, the rule of law? But he, he, he's mentioning, of course, authoritarianism, which is more of what he has been doing than what he's trying to blame of, uh, Donald Trump of, you know, what he says, uh, has been saying what they think Donald Trump is going to be doing. Uh, so anyone who want to make comment on, on those comments, maybe not so much uh, what he said, but what those implications are for the election. So I know that some countries which now recognize the power of free markets still reject the model of free societies. And maybe he's actually talking about China here. Uh, and perhaps those of us who have been promoting democracy feel somewhat discouraged that since the end of the Cold War, because we've learned that liberal democracy will not just wash across the globe in a single wave. It turns out building accountable institutions is hard work. And, oh, I was sounding like in there for a second, didn't I? Uh, the work of generations. Once again, now trying to bring in, you know, okay, now we got a new president coming. Uh, uh, I know you use the word generation, but we're, we're capable of reading between the lines. The gains are often fragile. Sometimes we take one step forward and then two steps back, and countries held together by borders drawn by colonial powers with ethnic enclaves and tribal divisions. Politics and elections can sometimes appear to be a zero-sum game. And so given the difficulty in forging true democracy, and what did we say earlier, folks? We're republics. In this, in the face of these pressures, it's no surprise that some argue the future favors the strong man, a top-down model, rather than strong democratic institutions. I believe the thinking is wrong. I believe the road of true democracy remains the better path. I believe that in the 21st century, economies can only grow to a certain point until they need to open up because entrepreneurs need to access information in order to invent. Young people need a global education in order to thrive. And, and some of these things, as I said, I don't necessarily disagree with. Independent media, hey, that's me, needs to check the abuses of power. Then why are you trying to shut us up from the fairness doctrine? Uh, without this evolution, and then, of course, wanting uh, to take control of the Internet, Without this evolution, ultimately expectations of people will not be met. Suppression and stagnation will set in. And history shows that strong men are then left with two paths, 
permanent crackdown, hmm, sounds familiar, folks, which sparks strife at home or scapegoating enemies abroad, which can lead to war. Now, a lot of what he said in that paragraph doesn't sound like stuff that he's kind of done. Am I wrong in that? Am I wrong in that, John? I missed the last part. I had to take a personal break. <laughs> Understood. Okay. Well, basically, and then the last paragraph, you know, and, and this, and they do this a lot. Is they want to, they do, you know, whatever that is that they do, and they try to project that out on to their opposition and say, well, this is what these guys do. It's like, no, this is what you've been doing. And, you know, so basically that's all I was, you know, all I was pointing out with that paragraph, uh, at least in my opinion. I mean, what do you think, uh, Maxine? Okay. Uh, I see she's still on the line. But just to let you guys know uh, who are on the line, uh, and hopefully she's still able to listen even though not chime in, is if you got to need to charge your phone, charge it, because if you're uh, – phone dies and you get off the line in the next seven minutes, unfortunately, you will not be able to call in. Uh, and so it looks like well, we got lost Carolyn in the chat. Uh, uh, we'll be able to see her again. She didn't even say goodbye. She normally says goodbye. I'll have to find her on Facebook and say goodnight. But anyway, so we'll have to uh, do that for Carolyn. Uh, but yes, uh, if you so try not to drop your call because you'll not be able to be a part of our roundtable discussion during Bard's Logic uh, After Dark, what we lovingly call our extended period, which will not be uh, live, but it will be part of the free podcast that will be available later. And so, uh, Susan, if you want to make any comment before I continue on. Well, I like with Maxine. I agree with her on the UN. The John Birch Society has coded that for years, almost from when they started to get us out of the United Nations and, in my opinion, get the United Nations out of us. But guess who donated the land for the United Nations? Make it a little bit harder, David Rockefeller. So, um, you know, when the Rockefellers are involved, you're dealing with evil. They want it there. It ain't leaving. We can fight it. We can, you know, we need to. But... The Rockefellers are, you know, the Bilderbergers, all those groups are just evil. In the United States, we have the CFR, the Rockefellers, um, trying to think what the others are, but um, there's there's some here, and then there's some overseas, Illuminati and all that. Um, But they all participate in it, and we... um, uh, we are outvoted, even even if you, if there was something good about the United Nations. Our tax dollars fund most of it, so I I totally concur with her and appreciate that she is totally against it. As far as the environment, I'm not sure where you're at in the environment, Robert. Uh, I am not with the hmm, Al Gore, what was that guy that made that movie, that idiot. Uh, that kind of uh, that was Al Gore. Uh, what? Gore. <laughs> uh, talk yeah. about the inconvenient truth. Yeah. The inconvenient truth, yeah. which I I had to watch three times. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I'm what I'm saying is I am for organic stuff. I am for getting GMOs out of our ground and using them, Monsanto, Gates, Soros. I'm against all of that. I believe our cleaners, they, uh, you know, I have a few that, oh, they have a lot of stuff that's natural, but they still, I had to use some bleach the other day because the doctor sold her. The knee surgery, they wanted a sheet bleach, uh, bleach around the toilet, and all that. I nearly died. It about killed me. I buy natural bleach. It's got more peroxide. It's in the health food store, you know. Um, and it, it just, uh, several of them that probably are two-thirds natural stuff for me, but they still keep some things like that. It just bowls you over. It just, ah, nasty. And we're using that kind of stuff, and all you have to do is correct a few things like that. You know, plant the ground right and do what we're supposed to do. The dust bowl happened because they did farming wrong. Um, if we did all that, we wouldn't need to worry about this environmentalist crud. You know, they wouldn't have people parading around and doing this stuff. So, um, I guess I'm in, what did, Bo, I, I said, uh, I'm for the environment. And she gave me this book. This is before she, this is about the time she hired me. And she sent me, because she's, Senator Russell Pierce's cousin, Monty Pierce's, and Dale Pierce's sister. And uh, she said, you're what? And I go, ooh, wrong word. I'm an organic naturalist. <laughs> oh, that went over so much better. So just tell people you're an organic, organic naturalist. naturalist. That's right. That's how I There's so many ways I could have played that, but uh, it's not hard to watch Get to Dark yet. Go ahead. <laughs> You're funny. Um, I'm just saying, there's other words to describe yourself without associating with Al Gore and um, uh, Michael Moore and people like that. Because they don't really know. They fly so fly their big jets, their big planes, their big cars. Well, they don't fly those. They drive them. And, you know, they're not really true uh, save the ground and save our, our air and all that. They don't care. They just mouth off and they want to make money. It's as simple as that. Well, well, Newt Gingrich, I mean, he, I mean, he coined a phrase called green conservatism, uh, and you know, it's definitely what I subscribe to. But I, I don't mind, uh, you know, I don't mind being called a. They say it's an oxymoron, but I don't mind being called a conservative environmentalist. I think they can't exist, and I think that much as the the liberals uh, have hijacked the environmental movement. Uh, then I think that, you know, if we could get enough conservatives together and say, look, we are conservative environmentalists, uh, that perhaps, you know, over time uh, we can bring, uh, you know, back to what conservatism is. We conserve conservation. Uh, You know, some say, oh, well, you're a conservationist. You're not an environmentalist. No, because I believe that we should do things to protect, you know, the environment. I agree with the soils, but I do agree with, uh, there are green initiatives such as uh, um, green roofs. I agree, you know, agree with that. I think we should do more research and development of things such as uh, green roofs, um, water capturing, even though in some places they've made that illegal, capture your own rainwater. You know, things of oh, that nature. Oh, oh, I also think that we. I, I, that. Yeah, 
and, and I want, also want to, uh, I, I really would like to uh, be able to get, uh, you know, all fossil fuels and get to uh, more, you know, more solar, uh, more solar energy, you know, you know, things of that nature, geothermal heating, you know, th- things like that. I mean, I, I wish we can, we can develop that more, more so. Uh, but we are in what we lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark, uh, the extended period. So let's make sure that you don't drop the calls because at this point you won't be able to uh, call back in. And uh, we will be getting Kelly on the line soon. Uh, and then, John, were you uh, wanting to chime in there? Yeah, I was going. I was just saying I don't know we really discussed this much in previous conversations, but if the word environmentalist, if I really understood how people are using it, then I would agree with you because everything you talk about in that regard, to me, I'm like, hey, what I understand about the Garden of Eden, if the water's that pure and the the earth is that pure and the plant life is that pure and the air is that pure, then I'm an environmentalist. But to me, so many people you know, use these terms and you don't really know where they're coming from with it. And so I'm like going, well, I'm not sure if I'm an environmentalist, but I do want clean air as clean as possible. I want earth as clean as possible. And I want the plants and air as clean as possible. So I'm with you then. You got, I'll sign me up. I'm with you. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, thanks Deb for, gosh, I keep saying that. Uh, Maxine for, I've got two people uh, sending me messages. Uh, on Facebook, uh, so I'm getting some something to get my name crossed. But you know, hey, that happens. Uh, so anyway, so let me go ahead and uh, get back to the uh, speech, and then we'll get uh, Kelly in shortly. Uh, he'll be making comments, uh, commentary on a few things. Um, I don't think we'll be able to get through the whole speech because uh, wow, it's long. But you know what? That's how sometimes it goes when you only have. A, a three-hour show, and I'm not the only one talking, which I do prefer it that way. I'm certainly not someone uh, who wants to uh, monopolize on the uh, on the show. So let me scroll what up. What paragraph I are you that. on? Oh, Can you I tell don't me where know. you are? Okay, because I have this speech in front of me, and I'd like to follow along with okay. you. Okay, okay, I am starting. Uh, I don't. I don't which paragraph down? I'll start from the top. And we'll go, let's see, that's one, two, three, how's it there? Let's see. Can we count? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm on the uh, tenth. Okay, thank you. Where Where it says in remote corners of the world. It says, in remote corners of the world, you're welcome, you're welcome. It says, in remote corners of the world, citizens are demanding respect. Oh, I already got that part. Um, Okay, and I stopped in the middle of it, that's why. It says, indeed, our international order has been so successful that we take it as a given that the great powers no longer fight world wars, that the end of the Cold War lifted the shadow of nuclear Armageddon, and the battlefields of Europe, had been replaced by peaceful union, that China and India remain on the path of remarkable growth. I say all that is not washed, excuse me, I say all this not to whitewash the challenges we face or to suggest complacency. Rather, I believe we need to acknowledge these achievements 
in order to summon the confidence to carry this progress forward and to make sure we do not abandon those very things that have delivered this progress. In order to move forward, though, we do have to acknowledge the existing path to global integration, there it is again, requires a course correction. Now, did I already read that? I guess he's saying it twice. Um, nope. Oh, you know what? I am way farther than that. I do apologize. Okay, we did get past that part. So that was um, – Still apologize for that. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. That's why I shouldn't screw up and down. Uh, 15, 16, 17, 18. We're on the 18th paragraph, folks. Whoever wrote this speech, I'm just kidding. 1920. I wonder I'm losing my voice. I've read 30, 20 paragraphs so, so far. 21. Let's see. 2, 23, 24. 25, 26. Okay, I'm on the 27th paragraph that starts with a now I will admit. And just let me know, Maxine, when you will? Impossible. He's going to admit something? (laughs) Yeah. Just now I will admit. My belief (laughs) in government. There we go. Now I will admit, my belief that government serves the individual. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, maybe him and his family, the way he's trying to live like royalty, and not the other way around, is shaped by America's story. He talks about America's story a lot. Our nation began with a promise of freedom that applied only to the few because our dem- – <laughs> Oh, my gosh, folks. Listen, okay. This is, remember, this is coming out of – Obama's mouth. Unbelievable. But because our democratic constitution, because of our Bill of Rights, because of our ideals, ordinary people were able to organize and march and protest, and ultimately those ideals won out. Opened doors for women and minorities and workers in ways that made our economy more productive and turned our diversity into a strength that gave innovators the chance to transform Every, hour, every area of human endeavor that made it possible for someone like me, someone like me, to be elected president of the United States. Yeah, someone like you. Think about it. Someone who had. You want to talk about no experience? Come on, this guy was a two-term. This guy was a two-term. Uh, not even a two-term. He is a, a senator, two-year senator, I think, and now he's the president of the United States. Anyway, so maybe that's what he meant by that. So why is he complaining about Donald Trump? Anyway, I digress. So, yes, my views are shaped by the specific experience of America, which is why he's only now proud to be a part of when uh, he got elected. But I do not think this story is unique to America. Look at the transformation that's taking place in countries as different as Japan and Chile. Mmm, Chile. Anyway, uh, Indonesia, Botswana. I'm hungry, folks. That's why I said chili like that. But anyway, the countries that have succeeded are ones in which people feel they have a stake. <laughs> stake. Anyway, uh, <laughs> wrong kind of stake. In Europe, the progress of those countries and the former Soviet bloc, which is now <clears throat> starting to reemerge, uh, that embraced democracy. St- the progress of those countries and the former Soviet bloc that embraced democracy stand in clear contrast to those that did not. After all, the people of Ukraine did not take to the streets 
because of some plot imposed from abroad. They took to the streets because their leadership was for sale. Hmm. It sounds just kind of familiar to us, doesn't it, folks? And they had no recourse. Yet again, sounds familiar. The demand changed because they saw life get better for the people in the Baltics and in Poland, societies that were more liberal and democratic and open than their own. There he's using the traditional term of liberal, not the type of liberal that he and his ill practice. To those of us who believe in democracy, we need to speak out forcefully because because both the facts and history – I believe I'm on our side. That doesn't mean democracies are without flaws. (laughs) Yeah, like they can be uh, bought by machines. Anyway, it it does mean that the cure for what ails our democracies is greater engagement by our citizens, not less. Our citizens. So why do you keep trying to get illegals who are not citizens to vote? Anyway, okay, I got a little emotional there. Uh, But anyway... Yes, in America, there is too much money in politics, as Hillary's going to have about a billion dollars to spend. Too too much entrenched partisanship. Whose fault is that? Too little participation by citizens. Let's talk about that. whose fault is that? Yes, let's talk about that. Let's go with uh, you, Maxine, and, and, and I'll make a brief comment. But why? Because there's so many people, we all heard it, that think that their vote don't matter, their thoughts don't matter, what they do don't matter. They're so busy. Now they, they think that, you know what, regardless of who's in the government, I'm just going to do what I can to take care of my own and adapt that way. Maxine, you have the, you have the floor. You have the comp. Oh, well, here's my take on that. We have a two-party system. Democrat, Republican. And if you're not uh, uh, registered as one or the other, if you plan to run as a candidate, you might as well forget about it. And that reason being, um, and and basically it's a financial thing and a popularity contest. I have not seen one race, whether it be on a local, state, or federal level, that is not a popularity contest as opposed to a perspective and um, constitutional vote. These politicians that we now are dealing with are, as Susan said before, it's about greed and power and nothing more. They are not following any laws. They are making the laws as they go along. And the little groups, if you're not a, p- a part of an of a Republican executive committee or a Democratic executive committee, or you're not running around in a little click within your local, state, or federal level, mm-hmm. then you, therefore, have, have no say whatsoever. They, they, don't even, they don't even allow you to engage in conversation or express your ideas, to mention the voting process which to me I have extreme difficulty at this point because people feel as citizens their votes do not count. Okay, well, we go with the popular vote, then we have the electoral college vote. In researching that the other day, electoral college, if in fact, say, for example, um, whatever state has 20 electoral votes, if five and they are bound 
to vote by the way the constituents have voted within the state. However, should they decide not to and someone vote for Trump instead of Hillary, the patients from that are a $1,000 fine and possible removal as an electoral college vote. Now, that's a sick, that, that, to me, this has become unruly. This has become out of control because we now have a, have a system where, no, the citizens do not participate because they are shoved aside and treated as though we do not matter. And that's what he's, and, and what Obama, for him to say that, is, is exactly what he has done to the American Africans in every city. I know I combined about four different subjects in one long sentence there, but that's he's the fine, one that pushes Maxine. the citizens away. He is pushing us all away. He wants no participation whatsoever. He wants to be king. Boom. Yeah, certainly he's been pretending to be a king for <clears throat> quite some time. And we do have our friend Kelly on, and I'm glad to hear from you, Kelly. Uh, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm I'm doing pretty good, Robert. I uh, just ate some ramen noodles. Before that, I uh, had some uh, a nice tuna sandwich, and then I reminded my lady friend who's moving to Chile. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. You were hungry. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Mm, well, I'm having a burrito and some ch- and cheeses after this. <laughs> okay. I'm still <laughs> Oh, boo boo. Um, I'm sorry, Obama. Yeah, that guy. Oh, boo boo. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's all awesome. I'm hearing in the speech is blah 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 blah. blah, 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 blah. Okay, whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm wondering about Pravda. The Russian propaganda newspaper, you know. I just thought, come on, guys. You mm-hmm. really expect us to buy this stuff? And uh, they keep mentioning the two letters UN. I'm not sure what UN stands for. United Nations. Oh, I thought it was underground Nazis. Okay. Um, <laughs> 100% agreed. <laughs> so, of course, I'm. Sneaking jokes in. Um, I, I mean, I'm just really. You expect us to buy this stuff, Mister Obubu? I, I, I'm, I'm just okay. Hmm. Well, good luck to you and your afterlife. I mean, after, after uh, office. Yeah, afterlife too. Good luck in that one. All right. Good luck in your after office um, experiences. Jimmy Carter, by the way, was a good ex-president. You know. After he was president, um, who knows? Maybe Obama will become the Secretary General of the Underground Nazis. Um, anyway, <laughs> I think he wants the uh, position he wants. Yeah, well, it's a nice flowery speech. <laughs> Too bad he doesn't write himself. Anyway, um, I don't know, I'm a little actually disturbed today. I got the third call, the third warning from helpful friends. That I need to stop what I'm doing, or I could end up dead. And that wasn't. I'm, so I'm trying to be a little bit more lively here. Um, done some things that have gotten some people's attentions. Um, the uh, and thank you. you know, well, yeah, I appreciate that. The um, 
Department of Homeland Security is getting uh, involved in the elections now in all sorts of alphabet agency suits. Right, I'll right. I'll read you a couple things because I'm wondering if I should... My friend's advising. He's been a, a, a political ally and I've known him for many years. I trust him and, and like... He's like, dude, this is too big for you. Do you have any idea what you're, you're getting the attention of these people? And, uh, well, he <clears throat> doesn't help when I, I wrote something that I wanted my county election clerk to make clear to the Secretary of State. I'm thinking it up right now. But basically, while I was there, I thought this was real interesting. Um, while I was there at the... Um, um, I did a records request, California records request, where, hey, I want some information here. And I found out that uh, the counting software, I could get their contract, but the software is proprietary, of course. The registration software, ESNS, is, oh, it's a proprietary contract. I can't even get the contract. That's weird. So I found that uh, for every vote counted in Siskiyou County, it costs Five dollars for the use of the software, five to seven and a half dollars. That's just ridiculous amount of money. But while I was there, the clerk came out. She said, "Oh, I just got this hot off the Secretary of State's State's um, email, which was Alex Padilla. He's a Padilla, the Hispanic pronouncement. Alex Padilla. Um, Alex Padilla. All right, Alex Padilla." Um, Dated September 9th, there has been a lot of discussion about election security in the media recently. On August 15th, 2016, the California Secretary of State participated in a call with the Department of Homeland Security, the Elections Assistance Commission, the National Institute for Science and Technology, and the Department of Justice. Secretary of State Padilla has been appointed to the Department of Homeland Security's Election Infrastructure Cybersecurity Working Group. Hmm, I find that real interesting. So, uh, did they just admit there's a problem with our elections? Oh, but we should just blame it on the Russians, you know. The Russians are tapping into our uh, elections and playing games like knocking people off the registrar so that when their vote gets scanned, it's not counted, not just for president, but for everything, local things, state initiatives, state house representatives, yeah, let's just, uh, so, you know, the Russians are hacking in, which, by the way, the blame game is one of the quickest way to find out that somebody knows there is a problem and they're trying to not admit it, so the blame game's on, and so, in my records request letter, oh, by the way, uh, since we can blame the Russians, uh, Hillary Clinton can thank uh, Vladimir Putin for handing California to her desperately needed that or would otherwise Bernie Sanders would now be our uh, Democratic uh, nomination for president and would probably be Trump but you know wait a minute Russians are accused of it and Hillary can thank Vladimir Putin you can't make this stuff up okay so I sent a records request dated August 23rd to the county to get these documents and again, ESNS, the registration software used by the Secretary of State's office in the county. Oh, that's right. I can't even get the contract with the county. 
and it violates the California records request law. I guess that's okay. Um, <clears throat> all right, so I wrote this records request asking for this and that and how this all works, uh, what documents you have, maintenance schedules for the software, blah, blah, blah. I wrote a PS on here that I think just got me into trouble. <laughs> My friends on the web called me up. Yes, please call the Secretary of State, Alex Padilla, and let the SOS, uh, not SOB, sorry, the SOS know that these, I'm thinking in jokes here when I can, all right, to let the SOB know that this request has been submitted, as well as that the Siskiyou County Civil Grand Jury has contacted me regarding my complaint to investigate the vulnerability of the electronic election systems and the California June primary, which is an absolute boondoggle. At the request of the grand jury, I will be meeting with the civil grand jury Wednesday or Thursday. This is a statewide effort led by Watch the Vote USA. We are getting feedback from participants in our weekly conference calls. Many other counties will are expecting the same examinations. Not a good thing to ask your county clerk to tell the Secretary of State if you want to stay alive. Um, <laughs> if, if, if he's in on it. So, I'm, I've heard these encouragements before to watch my back, I could be killed and oh that's right, we got what five people that have been killed from this election season. Um Seth Rich was a programmer who leaked something to WikiLeaks about how the Democrats rigged the elections. WikiLeaks should probably come out of that soon if they haven't already. But basically he ended up dead robbed at four in the morning and his billfold and his watch were not taken. So, yeah, it's just been a little concerning today. And, oh, by the way, yes, I did appear before a grand jury, and then the grand jury didn't investigate the clerk's office. So having some kind of impact here, it's a warning shot across the bow. That's why I did that PS. Hey, knock it off. But uh, kind of kind of somber tonight with the friend telling me that there's a lot of corruption. So anyway, that's just kind of where I'm at with stuff. And I would ask, actually ask people to pray for me. Call out for prayer because it's a little concerning right now. You got it, brother. Yeah, well, keep us... Uh, go ahead, John. I just said, you got it, buddy. We're going to have you on our prayer list. Okay. Yeah, you know, definitely. And now, is there any? Uh, have you gotten any? And not, you don't have to. You know, and you may not want to uh, convey this. Is have you gotten uh, direct threats, uh, or, or is there any recourse that you could do in order to, uh, you know, report these? I have not had any threats. I've just had three separate people advise me. One lady, she calls. You know, sends a text every day. Are you okay? I think, you know, okay. okay, but I, we're finally, here's the deal. The complexities of the election system are insane. There's all sorts of laws and rules and everything. Who makes the ballots? Who's got the registration software? Who counts the ballots? All this stuff. It is so complicated that we're getting closer to asking the right questions. And, um, one of our one of the researchers that's helping watch the vote, she's finding all sorts of stuff. How like for example, the NASS, you ever heard of the NASS? 
National Associations of Secretaries of States. They said in one sentence, oh, we are vigilant against election fraud, and hopefully the public won't panic. You're just double-speaking here. You guys know something that you put subtly into a paragraph, and so far we find no problems. There's problems everywhere. It's really weird. It's like, are people gearing up? I mean, there's all sorts of documentation that, that Michelle's her name, she's digging up that federal agencies are getting involved in supposed cybersecurity. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's your state's SOS on a special committee with the DHS. You, you, there's, they're admitting something is up and or and or they're starting to get caught and the public's becoming aware. And so what does that mean? Either A, they really care about America and also, or B, their shenanigans is finally catching up to them. And so, you know, Jim Condit, we have our Sunday night watch the vote board call. You know, it's been in the back of my mind, but he brought it out. He said, he said, in, in short, um, they're trying to do damage control because they know they're getting caught. So I said, well, are they now sending more foxes to the gate of the hen house? And he said, yeah, that's that's a good analogy. You just wonder. It's just, are we going to have an honest election? Do we have an honest right. election? If you throw somebody off the voting roster, you nullify not just their vote for president, but for everything. And how do you catch these people? Oh, well, the machine counted the number of ballots that were cast. Siskiyou County, a big 16,600 in the primary. Well, what if there's 18,000 paper ballots? How do you know this? Well, the machine said 16,600. Okay, that's an electronic piece of equipment that said there was that many. What if you actually counted them? Well, they don't count them. How do you count the number of actual physical paper ballots? Well, we don't. Why? This is too much work. Of course it is. It's supposed to be. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's supposed to be work. That's why they call it work and you get paid. So what if you take 100 ballots, put it on a table, there's your stack, and the next stack is just as high, like when you count pennies or quarters or casino chips. 100, 200, you make them all the same level, there's 1,000. You got 16 times? Oh, wait a minute. We got 16,600, but there's a banker's box of ballots. How could this be? Because some person blindly trusted these scanners to give you the number of votes. Uh, I'm talking to a computer security expert, top 100 in the nation. His wife says, yeah, he'll get a call and disappear for a few days to go solve a problem in national, or, you know, some task force or even, you know, the Air Force, whatever. And he's looking at uh, the diagram I drew up of our election system here in the county, and he's just like, this is so vulnerable, this is ridiculous. It's terrible. Why are we using, like, Windows 97 still? <laughs> Are you serious? It's so vulnerable, it's ridiculous. But vulnerable for who? The Russians? No, probably not. No, he doesn't think so. It's like, well, why can't we simply have an honest system? So, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm starting to ask the right questions. Would uh, anyone like to uh, chime in or make any comments or questions or anything? Now, Atrio, would uh, you have anything yeah. uh, you'd like to 
this area? I'll go ahead, John, and then we'll see if Maxine's got anything. And, of course, you too, uh, Susan, go ahead. We're at the bottom of the uh, hour, and so we only got about 20 minutes before I have to, uh, unfortunately, shut things down for the night. I do have one audio clip I would like to try to play and maybe get some commentary on, uh, but then uh, we'll, we'll see what we got. Uh, again, this is probably one of those shows like last week and other weeks. We could have gotten a fourth hour in. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Yeah, um, it must have gotten somebody's attention because I noticed that, uh, let me see, Tuesday, the 13th of September, 2016, C-SPAN, if you look it up, Voting Machine Cybersecurity, there's a whole host of people from our Congress or Senate, I don't remember, I didn't get to watch the whole thing, and I just caught parts of it. They were discussing these very issues, but they kept it on this digital side of stuff. They didn't really seem to talk about, at least the parts that I've seen, they didn't talk about the, you know, like paper counting and making sure that it was legitimate that way. They were just focused on making sure the machines weren't being hacked and questioning from that. It's just a dog and pony show, in my opinion. And then also on C-SPAN Washington Journal, if you look up your money, voting machine security, they had um, some people um, talking about it on there, too, from pretty much the same perspective. And that was for Monday September the 19th, 2016. So if you go to C-SPAN and look those up, if you want to watch more about it, it'll, it hits right yeah, on this topic. And when well, you I'm said Windows a... 97, you were being funny, right? No, Windows I'm serious. Some of these, some of these Windows... machines... Well, I got 97 on my computer. I'm telling you, some there of these machines are... 95 and then 97. I mean, 95 and then 98. Where, when did 97 come out? I missed that, I guess. Where, where was it? No, I'm sorry. Maybe you're right. I had 97. Confusing things. Well, I thought there was a 97. I, I don't know. I mean, like, come on, how many years ago was that? It was a decade. <laughs> but they, well, they, what, basically what we're saying is we're in even the wrong decade. I mean, I can kind of understand maybe an XP, Windows XP. Um, but some of these, with this computer expert, when you're running on old Windows platforms, oh, my gosh, this is a joke. I mean, you can rip this up 10 ways past Tuesday. And, uh, of course, then I find out there's the GLAN and the CLAN. What's the GLAN? Government Internet, local area network LAN, GLAN. Internet came in before the CLAN, which is the commercial. And so the Internet was already set up by the government before what we're seeing on our computers. It's like no wonder they can see what we're doing. I mean, Tim Berners-Lee. It was whose? Tim Berners-Lee. He worked with the military that helped create the Internet Protocol, HTTP, HTTP, in order to develop it for the military, and then they took it from there to the mainstream public. Tim Berners-Lee. I thought it was Al Gore. <laughs> I think he was in there. I think his day job was inventing the internet, and then at night he played the midnight basketball and slam a few hoops. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really frightening understanding the, the cyber world, and there's government documents that's getting compiled as we speak by a researcher. And if you know, if your eyes are trained, you'll see, oh my gosh, look at this. They're admitting it. Are they admitting it to solve the problem or to cover the problem? 
I don't know. And so we only got about a half hour, if that. Uh, and then a few things for the new folks is that uh, definitely, you know, share out the link. Of course, we said um, multiple times tonight uh, to share it out with your, you know, independent folks and the undecided. Uh, but also, you know, of course, we do have our roundtable discussion here as you experienced tonight, Maxine. Uh, and, you know, of course, we'd like to have uh, I'm of the mind, the more the merrier, the more folks we can uh, get on the line. Uh, the less I talk, I'm just kidding. But, uh, I mean, I like to talk and make my commentary, too. But I do like to, of course, hear uh, more from you, uh, the people uh, out there in the audience, uh, because this is the Grassroots We the People show. Uh, this is your show. That's why I purposely didn't name it after myself, unlike other people have. <laughs> no, not, I'm just kidding, kind of. But anyway, uh, so, but yeah, we definitely like to have some other, you know, folks call in uh, and join in our roundtable discussion. So share it with them as well. If they like to uh, get on the radio here and share their thoughts uh, with us. Uh, so check it out. And also uh, for the new folks, I've played this audio. It's probably about the third week in a row that I've played it, but I really want to get it out. It's, it's something that's near and dear uh, to me, and that is uh, our space program. And, I'm, and if anyone has any way of uh, contacting, because I've been trying, uh, she's not the easiest to get, but some people might have some connections, whether here live or if you're listening on the podcast, uh, which fun uh, we could talk to uh, Eileen Collins, and she was uh, one of the first uh, female uh, space uh, space shuttle uh, pilots, and I've got an audio uh, of her on at the GOP convention, and so I'd like to play that, uh, and then I want to especially get some commentary from you, uh, Maxine, on what she's saying, and then what we'll have to do after that is take uh, closing comments for tonight. Unfortunately, wow, this uh, this this night went quick, uh, and so we uh, look forward to coming on next week, uh, talk about current events, and you know, speech as such as tonight. And, of course, uh, we will be discussing next week the first debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Uh, I was kind of hoping Gary Johnson would be able to get on there, but I don't think he's going to be able to. I'd really like to see Jill Stein uh, on there as well. And, for, you know, of course, it would be great if we could add even someone from the Constitution Party there. But, alas, it looks like it's only going to be those two. And so we'll be covering that next yeah. Wednesday. Uh, we'll be making commentary on that debate. And who knows, maybe if we're lucky, oh, I was going to say something really callous, but maybe I shouldn't. Uh, so uh, let's go ahead and hear from that audio. And the, the mics will be live, so let's be mindful of that uh, as well so there's no background uh, noise. Uh, so here is Eileen uh, Collins. And, and, yes, if you have any way of being able to contact her, I'd love to get her on the show. If I can get this audio going. To command space shuttle mission. on our shores, Americans have been asking, what's next? We are a nation built by the passion of people who weren't afraid to do something first, to step into the unknown and to pave our own way forward. We are a nation of explorers. 
1961, President Kennedy issued a challenge to America to land a man on the moon and return him safely to Earth. And 47 years ago, on this very day, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin answered that call and they walked on the moon. And they took with them an American flag and a plaque bearing the inscription, Here, men from planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969. We came in peace for all mankind. We landed on the moon to fulfill a leadership challenge and to explore. We know that exploration leads to invention, innovation, and discovery. For example, our successful robotic missions to Mars, Jupiter, and Pluto have provided valuable information about our own planet. But in 2011, the space shuttle program ended. The last time the United States launched our own astronauts from our own soil was over five years ago. We must do better than that. Countries that are strong are countries that explore, invent, and discover to remain resilient in a changing world. I'm honored to have played a role in our nation's heritage of explorers as the first woman to command a space shuttle mission, joining the ranks of those that have fought to lead the way. Thanks. And we are all so proud of our Apollo program that put our astronauts on the moon first in peace for all mankind. Nations that lead on the frontier lead in the world. We need that visionary leadership again, leadership that will inspire the next generation of explorers to have that same passion. We need leadership that will ask Americans, Americans will ask again, what's next? We need leadership that will make America's space program first again. And we need leadership that will make America great again. I want to thank all of you. Thank you for what you're doing. God bless America. Please welcome some women in business for Trump. There we go. And let's go ahead and, Maxine, get your comments on uh, on that audio. Well, God bless her, number one. And um, I, I agree with uh, space exploration and that it should not have been stopped during the uh, Obama administration. However, he obviously has ulterior motives um, in doing so. Um, I take from that that she is endorsing Donald Trump by stating make America great again and that in the future we will be able to, as a country, um, bring back to life our 
the space program that we have in America. Having lived close to Cape Canaveral for many years, um, it, it was always very interesting and um, and chilling every time that, that we would leave our shores to head into the unknown. And very, very inspiring for America to be able to be the first on the moon. And, and I'm sorry that we have to now um, um, combine with other countries in the exploration. But then I'm not one that share. I don't like to share. <laughs> I, I don't like to share America. I just don't. And sorry to, I'm not sorry to say that. I'm, I'm truly not. We, we have much to learn here. We are the baby of the world. And it's all on us. So point in time, we, we, cannot, we cannot stop our patriot movement. I definitely agree with that. And, and nationalism, which seems like uh, Obama is so against. And, and I said about this election, and I'll say two things, and unfortunately we'll have to do our closing comments for this evening, uh, is that you've got two choices this year, in my opinion. Now, I've been known to vote for third parties. I did in 2012 for Virgil Goode. Great guy. I tell you what, developed a friendship with him over the years and, and glad for it. And, let, you know, but this year, you know, I mean, I, I even uh, – you know, have a Green Party guy I'm supporting this year locally. Uh, I, I can't do Jill Stein this year just because, you know, gosh, I can't imagine. Um, but it comes down to two things, in my opinion. Either you're going to vote for globalism or one world order, or you're going to be voting for nationalism represented by Donald Trump. That, that That's, in my opinion, the choice that's before us today. And also remember that Newt Gingrich in 2012 and was laughed at for this was talking about making colonies on the moon for, for helium-3. There are now countries such as Russia, such as India, such as China, that are researching going to the moon to put a space colony up there so that they can mine for helium-3, which is a material that's used for the construction of nuclear fusion plants. And anyone knows about nuclear fusion, it, it is nuclear power, but there's, because it's the fusion, it's not the breaking up of the atoms, there's much less radiation that comes out of that. And nuclear fusion, that's how the sun works, is through nuclear fusion. So if we can be able to harness that power, that could be some clean energy that can give, you know, almost unlimited energy. I mean, I'm not a physicist. But imagine what, you know, the type of energy we can harness if we're able to do that technology. And space exploration has a lot to do with that. So I do see we, uh, gosh, we only got about um, about 10 minutes to take closing comments, uh, maybe even a little less. So we've got about, besides myself, and I, I normally don't do the closing comments because I, I close things out at the end, is take about two minutes for each person to do their closing comments for this evening. And so the way we'll do it is first we'll uh, have you, John, give your closing comments for tonight, then we'll bring it over to you, Susan. And then Maxine, uh, we'll do your closing comments. And then Kelly, I know last week we tried to do closing comments with our guests, and unfortunately poor guy got cut off because we ran out of time. Uh, so let's be mindful of the, uh, of the time. Uh, two minutes is still a decent amount. Uh, so let's go ahead and do the comments. 
starting with you, John, as I said, then we'll go to uh, Susan, and then Maxine, and then Kelly, and then I'll have to close things out, unfortunately. Uh, go ahead, John. Yeah, go to C-SPAN for Wednesday, September the 14th, 2016, and look up Internet Governance. They're making discussions sometime in October. They're going to hand over the ICANN, you know, the Internet Corporation of Assigned Names and Numbers to some UN entity, so the U.S. will not have any governance over the Internet and the domain names and such. Also, don't forget to call your commission on presidential debates at 202-872-1020 and tell them to forget the 15% national pose nonsense and just say if the people are even eligible to be a write-in candidate on the uh, ballots in the states, then they ought to be on the debate stage to let us know what they're worthy of as our president. And then also call the president and all your congress and senators and tell them to have the president pardon our great American hero, Edward Snowden, for giving the the sunlight on the corruption going on in our government. I yield the floor. And so, uh, Susan, that goes uh, over to you. Uh, I got a message here from Maxine. Uh, she will not be doing the, the closing comments, but we do uh, want to thank her for coming on the show. And, of course, Maxine, you are welcome uh, to come on any time. And definitely, you know, as I say, bring a friend. Uh, we'd like to hear from them as well with you, too. So both of you guys can come on and, and join our roundtable discussion. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring it over to Susan. Uh, what makes you think Obama hasn't stepped it up? I mean, yeah, no, he didn't put anyone on the moon or something like that, but he put men in the women's restroom. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that a step up? Okay, I'm joking. Um, but we are in Bart's logic after dark. Now, who was the real father of Obama? I'm going to ask you that. You know who it is? Well, I've been hearing some things running around. Oh, well, I mean, no pun intended. Frank Marshall Davis is Obama's real father. So it possibly exists that he really isn't. However, he was born and raised as a communist. So there you go. You've got that. Now, going back to the environment, when Al Gore, you know, when we talk about vote manipulation, I can't stand Al Gore. I really cannot, but I believe he was cheated out of becoming the president of the United States. Much as it disgusts me, I believe they manipulated so that Bush could get it. Uh, they did. I, I, I swear it. That, you know, the, whatever they think they can use, and for whatever reason, they will put them in. And I believe Al Gore should have been there. Ugh, nasty. Um, the only global warming that's going on is in his britches. But, okay, you know, I mean, he's the one that gets involved with all these misuses and everything. And he chose global warming. Ha! We all know where that exists with him. Okay, I'm done. Okay, and so, Kelly, that uh, leaves you, but that actually uh, leaves you with a few more minutes. I'd say you probably got uh, closer to four or so. Uh, for your closing comments, and which is fine since uh, we weren't able to have you in until later on in the show. Uh, so if there's anything else you want to do in closing or maybe some more information uh, you'd like uh, you know, to get to us, uh, that'd be great. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, I haven't <clears throat> been listening tonight. I've been a lot of thought, but um, 
glad you have your show, I guess. Um, glad to touch base with everybody. And we're in a wild ride right now for this primary now the general election. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, oh, somebody pointed out to me today. I said, you notice that when the 9-11 memorial occurred and Hillary stumbled and fell and all that, you know, her health finally, you know, oh, it's conspiracies. Like, no, and there's I had a buddy that said, oh, she's done. On 9-11, she was done. Um, her race was over. But she did go to uh, Kelsey's townhouse, was there a while. This is what my buddy pointed out. And then she came out of the townhouse and just kind of, you know, walked to the limousine that took her somewhere. Um, but he said, you notice that they didn't have uh, secret service around her? There were no security guards? I'm like, hmm. and now that you mentioned that, that's interesting. Oh, they've been saying there's all sorts of body doubles and this and that, and that would make sense. Yeah, I've heard of that. And I'm like, hmm. So I'm I'm wondering, you know, if they can do that, find a body double, what other tricks are they going to do? I mean, how entrenched uh, in this country are wicked men? How entrenched? Um, Nixon, I know we talked about him last time. Nixon uh, was spying in the Watergate Hotel, you know, well, actually, it wasn't him. It was some Republicans or whoever went in and bugged the, the Democratic National uh, Office at the Watergate Hotel. And Nixon found out about it. He didn't do anything about it. Well, he got impeached for that. And we're hearing all sorts of problems with government and Holder and et cetera, et cetera. How much they're getting away with compared to Nixon era? Uh, you know how how we can, how wickedly entrenched are these are these people, and you know Congress. If you look at Title Twenty Eight of the United States Code, Congress has the ability to call independent counsel. Holder um, was in contempt of Congress. Didn't Congress could have impeached him? They did nothing. And Congress is not calling for independent prosecution about. The Benghazi or this or that or Hillary email leaks or blah 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 blah. Are the Republicans in on it? I mean, they could do so much more right now. Or are they, or are they scared of something? Or have they lost their kahunas? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just wondering how, how deep uh, the problems are. And then I wonder, how stupid do they think we are? I mean, you really expect us to buy Obama's speech? At the UN, <laughs> like seriously, uh, I'm sure there's other people who are ripping him to shreds. But have they gotten so entrenched that their hubris pride is kicking in, and they say whatever they want without accountability, or whatever lie they want? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just scratching my head. What has happened to our country? Can we get it back? Is it too late? Is Trump uh, the real thing, or is he? a nice competitor for Hillary. Um, of course, that's another libertarian influencing me about Trump. You know, some libertarians don't think he's a real thing. Um, I don't know. 
it's it's like those little people matter anymore, or is it the corporations that just love to make tons of profit from their lobbyists and new legislation? But we become full circle to why the founding fathers was one main reason was you know the East Indian Trading Company was in bed with the, the King of England, King George, and uh, yeah, I I just I just wonder. I hope we can make a good turn, a good turn so that we and our posterity can have a much better life. It's not been fun under Obama or Clinton or Bush. It seems like we've been going on a downward slide. I don't know. I just hope enough people get aware, get busy. We have an honest election, and we we turn this around. So with that, I guess uh, good night all, and I yield. Okay, thank you very much, Kelly. Um, one of the things uh, we are looking into here, and let's see. Oh, yeah, if we have time, uh, thank you very much, uh, Maxine, about the Wag, the 1990 doll Wag the Dog uh, movie. Uh, perhaps there's some similarities between what's going on there. Uh, and what's going on today, and maybe that could be part of our discussion next week. Um, but I do see that I'm doing need to be getting ready to close things out. Now, one of the things I am working on now, and that is on – now, this isn't actually show-related, but this is something where perhaps an opportunity uh, to meet some of the uh, the panelists uh, on the show is next year, and that is – August 21st, I am planning a trip west. And what happens on August 21st? August 21st is going to be a total solar eclipse. And I am looking to see which place will be the best place to go west to see the total uh, solar eclipse. And hopefully I can kind of make that a twofold where I can uh, perhaps get the opportunity to meet up with uh, you, Kelly, and for you, uh, Susan, whereas uh, anyone else uh, who uh, could be traveling to do two things, one, do that, as well as to, uh, you know, meet up and kind of have a little Bard's Logic party uh, there. So it's something I'm working on. Uh, one of the cool. places I'm looking at is somewhere in Nebraska, it uh, just depends on right now we're working with what's anywhere between between Kentucky and Nebraska is the place I'm looking. Just depends on how far uh, we'll be able to travel, things of that nature. Of course, the further west I'm able to go, the more likelihood of us being able to uh, meet up for a total solar eclipse, uh, Bard's Logic meet uh, party there. Uh, that's in August of next year, next, you know, a little less than a year away. But I am starting to do some planning. Uh, so that's something uh, I will definitely have it uh, decided by January, the end of January of next year, where they'll be. So uh, keep it posted. Maybe we'll be able to do that. And so uh, thank you very much, everyone, uh, for coming to the show tonight. Uh, definitely meet back with us next Wednesday when we will be doing our analysis and commentary of the first debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And so uh, looking forward for us to do that. So, uh, Maxine, bring a friend so they can come on and be a part of our roundtable discussion. I think if everyone here 
uh, was to see about bringing a friend onto the show uh, for that. I think we'd have a great time uh, on there. And whether or you listening live now or on the podcast, uh, do that as well. It would be a, a really good time uh, to add folks on for our roundtable discussion. Now, of course, that does limit the uh, time because there's more people, but hey, I'm of the mind, the more the merrier. And so I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Maybe listen more of her music, pick up one of her CDs. And again, www.aubreyashburn.com. So take care, everyone. We will see you next time. And again, good night. Bye. Bye.